about five oh five four three two one. So yes, um, we are here today. Uh, we were just having a little mishap. Um, I didn't realize because I was already thinking that the fact that we're already live, uh, but we were live. So uh, me and Dawn were just talking right off a of camera. Um, of course, when this goes into post production, you guys can follow us on Spotify. Let me put that link up. Um, iTunes, I'm all of the above. You could uh, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. So, um, of course, if anybody that's in aviation, they do want to listen to us, and they don't want to necessarily be they feel uncomfortable watching YouTube, they could actually listen to the interview. So, yes, I just want to um, give this woman um, a pretty much layout before we even get into this, but. Um, this has probably been my most exciting interview. I don't know if you guys know. Yes, we have a lot of controversial interviews, but I'm very intrigued by women that operate big machinery. It's something about seeing a woman in a restaurant, right? And you meet her. She's like, yeah, so, uh, you know, I actually, um, you know, drive the cruises. I'm like, what's cruise ships? You're talking about party cruises? No, I operate carnival cruises. Wow, you actually pushed this huge ship? Um, so... I live near Newark Airport. I live in Staten Island, New York, and of course, Kennedy Airport and all the international airports. So there's something about seeing a plane just go up in the sky and I get like real giddy. So I'm like a real fanatic. And I'm also a fanatic of people that drive trains. So I had to meet a woman that was actually pushing, operating, excuse me, this amazing machinery called an airplane. And I did everything I could and I found the most amazing, my first one, and I'm real happy to say this because I tried to do this and put a documentary together. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Mrs. Dawn Cook. Welcome her to the Accident Daniel Experience. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's very thoughtful. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the thing because you know what? It's like I'm a train fanatic as well. So like I'm the type of guy that goes and watch YouTube videos and watch big locomotives come up. And I'm like... You know, I've been, I've been like this all my life. No, I, I actually know how to operate these things. But one thing that I don't, yeah, I really, I really know how to. I know how to drive a uh, a locomotive, diesel. I know how to drive an electric train. Literally, I know how to operate. You put me in it, I could literally be the one. Like, how could you operate this? Like the guy that took off with the train and years ago in New York City and stole it or whatever. But um, you are what we call. A, a, a motive called excellence, black excellence at that motor, woman of color excellence. And um, I want you to pretty much give us a layout and let the people know and introduce yourselves on who you are. Well, first of all, thank you. I genuinely appreciate the time that you have made for this interview, um, the time to connect to our community and worldwide and the value that you provide. So thank you very much for this opportunity. As you mentioned, my name is Don Cook. I am a professional airline pilot. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. And um, it all started with simply an incredible mother and in support with a dream. And it's amazing what you can do when you don't know that you can't. And so growing up, I grew up in the DC area. My mother was a flight attendant for US Air, which is unfortunately no longer in service, um, but I would go with her to work in the summertime. And so as a flight attendant, this is way before 9-11 when you, she just showed her crew ID badge and we just walked on the airplane and she said, you know, reserve these seats for, for my kids and my younger sister and I, we would go with her to work and we'd have breakfast in New York and we'd come back to DC. We'd have lunch in Boston and we'd come back to DC. And I told her, I'm like, I'm going to be a flight attendant. This is amazing. I get to travel. She said, no, you need to be better than your mother. You will be a pilot. And I'm thinking... How do you do that? And 
Nathaniel, you know, this is way before YouTube or yes. the internet. Yes. Cell phones were not even in existence. And so I'm um, like, what do you do? So she does what any incredible woman does. You start networking. And she reached out to her pilots that she would fly with and asking them, my daughter wants to fly. What do you do? And so they recommended some schools. We visited the schools. We found one that was a good fit, you know, for me and how far away I wanted to be from home. And that would get me where I needed to be. And so I, I went to college and um, got my bachelor's and my flight ratings all at the same time. Um, with aviation, it's all about experience. And right, right. so from there, you become a flight instructor. You build your time and then you fly smaller jets. And so from there, building the time, small jobs here and there, building up your experience and your um, just your awareness of right. your craft. And so building that up and then made my way to the major airlines. So it's it's been an incredible journey. It's a wonderful, wonderful career, occupation, passion to where no day is ever the same. And you're just providing happiness. Happiness to so many people, connecting them with loved ones and friends. Yes. And even if it's just, you know, a bridge to a business deal that's going to be closed, you are that bridge. And you get to do it at 500 miles per hour. And it could not get any better than that. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I'm I'm like going nuts here because it's so much like uh number one, I, I didn't feel, realize how long how fast the plane was going until two thousand one when JetBlue um opened up and I remember we were going to Rochester and I remember they had the screen and you were actually being able to see how fast it was going. So I'm like, I never knew a plane traveling that fast. So now we seen it more so when the plane is landing, when we're on the New Jersey Turnpike, and yeah. you, you realize it like, okay, as fast as I'm going, you're going faster than me, and you're, you're slowing <laughs> down. So I'm like, yo, it's amazing. So, ah, so much. So the, the first thing I would like to ask in, in regards to how that laid out, when you were presented with this to even go more deeper than your mother, um, being, oh, man, being. You know, the training, we're under the impression that you have to go to a, a, a school or training. Like, I know there's an aviation uh, plant over here, or aviation school over here in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is it required to go to college or literally can you fly a plane with going to aviation school? I mean, is it the same thing? So that's a very good question. Um, that That college degree is going to depend on where you want your end goal to be. If you just want to learn to fly and have some fun and you know fly your friends around and fly small aircraft, that does not require a degree. A degree is required when you want your end goal to be the major airlines and you're flying to Europe, you're flying across the United States, you're flying larger passenger jets. And that is a requirement of the major airlines and many of the major cargo carriers such as FedEx and UPS. So you can go to that aviation school and they will set you up for success. You can go to um, a college, that has aviation degrees and aviation programs, and they will set you up for success. If you just want to do what's called general aviation, and you just would like to fly and yeah. you know get from A to B a lot faster, that does not require a degree, but it will require the several licenses to get there. So you would still require training, um, FAA written test, FAA written literally in the aircraft exams to show your skills. So there are two different routes you can take, but it just depends on your end goal of where you want to be. And then finally, you can even do the military. The military creates amazing pilots. Right, and right, they right. pay for your training versus non-military trained pilots. We pay for all of our training um, in a different capacity up front. Now, if you go through uh, 
if you go through the training through the government, I mean, or through through the service, um, is that more inexpensive or would it be like, in other words, what's, what's the better option? Or is that just hard to say? Cause training is training or what would you say is the better option? Because I know even here to be a police officer, they want you to have at least two years of college now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's changed now, but to, to be an NYPD police officer, they want that. So being that that's not required to have technically a bachelor's, which is congratulations that you have that, um, what would be the better option for somebody? In other words, is this something for somebody to say the same way how you woke up and said, you know what? I want to be a flight attendant. It's like, no, listen, you could do better. Your mother, you, I want you to be, I want you to fly the plane. What, what mode, what would a woman or anybody would have to say, um, and who has the advantage, but how would they actually reach out? What do you think is the best option? So that's an excellent question as far as your best option. And, um, Unfortunately, or not unfortunately, that answer is going to depend on the person because that best option depends on what their end game is. So the first thing I would suggest is get clear. Clarity is power. What do you want? What do you want? So what do you want your end game to be? Do you want to fly for the airlines? Do you simply want to learn to fly? Do you want to fly for you know cargo or corporate? What do you want first? So get clear on what your goals are. And then from there, that will dictate your path. And then you also have to make your second choice. Number two, which is more valuable to you, time or money? And I say that because the military route, it's an incredible route. The military pays for majority of all the flight training, but they also have your time. So if you're looking to get to the airlines, you owe the government your time first before you can get to that airline job. Now, the caveat is those airline jobs and even the cargo jobs, those are all seniority based. So if you go the civilian route and you pay for all of your training, your time is your own and you can often get to those airlines a lot faster. Therefore, if I get to the airline at this seniority level and a military pilot gets to the airline at this seniority level, I will always be more senior than that pilot, regardless of what they do, because I was hired first. So, wow. I, yeah, I suggest that, you know, whoever is, you know, all of your, your listeners and everybody that you create value for with these podcasts and the two YouTubes. Yes. Get clear on what you want and then decide which is more valuable for you. And some people might even say, well, Don, I don't have that kind of money. You know, I can't just go. I mean, it takes money to be a doctor. It takes money to be a lawyer. It takes money. Money. That scares yes. everybody. It does. You know, money, it does. And on that point, but it, it can be scary and you can see that as an excuse or you can see it as a challenge right. because medical school is not free. Dental school is not free. Law school is not free why should be honing in a craft where you have the lives of thousands of people every single day, every single month, why would that be free either? So you have to, again, get clear on what you want and be willing to take on those challenges and not see them as excuses, find them as opportunities to grow. And so all of that being said, back to your original question, you know, if you don't have the money, okay, is that an excuse or is it a challenge? Because if it's a challenge, take the military route. It's a little bit of time, but you're still going to get where you want to be. And if and it's not, pay, pay you, you are, you're paying for it in time or, or dollars, but right. either way, regardless of going down the military route or the civilian route, which is non-military, you're going to get where you want to be. If you have that drive and that passion, it will get there. You and will get there. Now, the thing is, what happens is what about the minimum amount of months that it requires? I know people like to hear the amount of time that it takes to train to fly a plane. For example, you coming in, I'm pretty sure before you started flying a plane, you had a driver's license, right? So let's just say, for example, I did. Uh, maybe you, you, did you know how to drive a, 
you know, a manual transmission, right? Mm-hmm. What additive do you feel as a woman, not only as a woman of color, that, that come into this? Like, in other words, was there an advantage of you being a woman of color, knowing that there's a lack of women, knowing that there's a lack of, you're a minority times too. So now it becomes a thing where you're a female, which is clearly a minority in the in the field, and you're a woman of color, which is clearly a minority in the field. Is that an advantage for a woman or is that an advantage for a man? Or is it an advantage for anybody that just comes in and wants to learn from just no experience at all? Ah, that is a beautiful question. There are no advantages <laughs> to being a minority <laughs> in this industry. <laughs> well, I wish. <laughs> Actually, I don't because I would have not have not have had to work as hard as I did. So, right. no, there there are no advantages to being a minority, to being a double minority. Um, often, African American female pilots. You may have heard the term, or even female pilots, a unicorn because they're so rare. Right. Whatever that is, th- there are no no advantages um there are actually i take that back there are some advantages in the fact that we have organizations that will support minorities um women in aviation fast is female aviators sticking together um organization of black aerospace professionals uh, specifically works with minorities um ngpa is the national gay pilot association so there are nonprofits that support uh, minorities coming into this industry Yes, Uh, you'll be very surprised at the old school mentality that runs in the aviation community, as if you can only be of one political party, of one personal life stance, of one opinion. Um, It's it's slowly fading out, but there are organizations that were created to support aviation looking different, just looking different. Because, I mean, I think you and I both know if you don't see it, you won't be it. If you right. don't see a young African American entrepreneurs, why would these young kids? What what seed are we planting for them to want to grow and thrive and to do something on their own? Yes. If they don't see African American doctors, lawyers, dentists, there's politicians, no right? yeah, there's there's no desire. You don't look like me. Therefore, whether we like it or not, images a lot. If you don't look like me, why would I think you can connect with me? Yes. And that's how young people think. That's just what their world is and what they're surrounded with. And so a lot of people will stick and stay inside their bubble because it's hard, because they don't look like you, because you're different, because you're an outsider that scares a lot of people away. So to answer your original question, um, no, there are not blatant advantages. No one is saying, okay, we need five women, let's hire them now. No, you need skill, but it's a beautiful thing because you're all on the same playing field. If I could not fly, I would not be hired. You're not going to hire me because I'm a woman. If you do, that's your fault. And that's very ignorant. You need to hire for skill, for talent, for expertise. And that puts aviation at a very level playing field often. Well, how do, how do the men feel about this when they uh, have such a male dominated industry and there is a female? Like in other words, when you, has there ever been a mode where I don't know if you have like a partner the same way we have a, a person would have a partner in the police department. Do you have a partner, a co-pilot that you work with often or that changes just daily, weekly where they, it's a man and they see you and they're like, oh, or another woman that you work with. I mean, give us that experience of how a man looks and did he have an attitude or a world above where, where you, you he was shocked to see 
and you gonna actually be my co-pilot? What the hell? I thought you would be out here, you know, uh, serving the food. I mean, wh- how did you? How do you do? You know, <laughs> Another I mean, empty kitchen, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I, I know it's terrible, like, but how do you feel about that? No, it, it is the reality of it. So um, to go back and dig a little deeper in that question, yes. So I I chose the airline route. I wanted to be an airline pilot um, from day one. What that means is, you ask if I have you know somebody else with me. Yes. So the airline structure, um, if you've ever flown on these smaller, they're called regional jets. When you get on, it's maybe two seats on each side, about 50 people, sometimes maybe up to 100, or maybe a little more. So those are the regional jets. So that is your basis of foundation for the airlines often. And then that's you like, go to that's the like air- basic, That's like a basic jet? Yes. Yeah. Just like okay. your smaller regional jet that okay. um, often, like you said, you, you, you'll you get on. It's just one single aisle when you go down and it's probably yes. two seats on each side. Yes. yes. And it's okay. one flight attendant because it doesn't have a lot of passengers on that flight. So right. from there, you will also go to, if you want to go to the majors, the majors are very similar, several flight attendants, bigger aircraft, more seats. But up front in that flight deck, it's always two pilots. It's your captain and your first officer. So that leads into our second part of that question. Yes, I every single trip, every single week, I am flying with a different partner. But we are all trained to the same standards. We are all trained to almost like we all speak the same language. When we okay. get in that flight deck, it doesn't matter if this is Mike, John, Joe, Bill, it doesn't matter. Okay. We are on the same skill level as far as what needs to be done for that flight. Um, everything from before we push back to after we land, emergencies, everything. We are all on the same page. So it doesn't okay. matter that it's not you know the same person every single day or every single trip. Okay. Um, from, every, yeah. week is, every week you said this changes. Yeah, and you might fly. I might fly with the same, you know, the same gentleman, or occasionally, not a lot, occasionally a female captain because I'm a first officer, and so occasionally a female captain. That's very, very rare. That's very, very rare. But um, regardless, it doesn't have to be the same person. We're all under the same understanding, the same training, and the same qualifications. Um, They're just more senior than me as a captain. So to answer your question, as far as how I've been accepted and viewed. It varies. It varies. Um, It's very interesting, though. It varies. But the what's the the hesitation, it's it's a lot more. You have to read between the lines. Does that make sense? They'll ask random questions. No one has ever blatantly said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're a woman. It's more of (laughs) who watches your children? How do you do this? How did you get here? What kind of school did you have? All of these background questions and for, depend, and not everybody, but right. you you work with that occasional person to where it's almost as if you need your resume. So when did you get hired? How much time do you have? What kind of experience? It's questioning your authority and your value right. versus blatantly coming out saying, I can't believe there's a woman in the flight deck with me. So and it doesn't like, happen often. Like that, right. okay. no, no, not as aggressive and blatant like that. Like right. I said, it's those read between the line questions like, huh. Wow. Okay. I didn't know we hired so many women. Right. Okay. Right, well, we're here. Right. Wow. <laughs> so very, again, it's, but you know what? I rolls off me like water on a duck. It, please, yeah. you do what you have to do to get where you want to be. And if something like that, somebody else's insecurity of who I am, right. if that's going to turn you off, this is not the industry for you. Yeah. It's strength, it's grit, and it's grace. So no one's going to take that from me. Now you 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 mentioned captain 
versus a first officer. Give mm-hmm. them the difference between that. What is the difference? Oh, lovely. Yeah, so um, at the airlines and often some cargo, major cargo carriers, uh, such as FedEx or UPS, they right. are, you have your captain and you have your first officer. It's the old mindset and old ways we used to also have an engineer, but now a lot of the computers do the work of that third person. So it's just the two of us. So we have a captain and you have a first officer. All of the airlines, the major airlines in the United States, they're all seniority based. So what that means is when you've reached a high enough seniority, you can get trained to become a captain. Also, as a first officer, you can bypass that. And what we call senior first officer, which is me, I've chosen not to be a captain because I'm so senior as a first officer. Uh, Your schedules, your monthly schedules are based on how senior you are at the airlines. So you can have a not so great schedule where not so great to me personally, you're right. on call. Pretty much that's called on, on reserve. So if you're on call, that's when you're very junior. Um, you really don't have a lot of pull because you're so junior in the company. Right. Or as you get senior, you get holidays off, you get the vacations you want. You don't work weekends. You can work whatever trips you want and you can tailor your schedule to your life. So I don't know if you can see it in the background. Got two daughters. That's one picture. I right see there. That. The other ones. Yes. So I've chosen to not be a captain at this time because my schedule is tailored to my family. I don't work weekends. I don't do long trips. I'm home for my girls. I tuck them into bed. I get the vacations they want every birthday they want um, or every birthday and days off that I want. And so that is one thing that I don't think people truly understand with the airlines. It takes a lot to get here, but the lifestyle is incredible, Nathaniel. Wow. It's incredible. I don't okay. have a nine to five. I'm not on my phone all the time. I'm not doing emails. Uh, my free time is my free time. I've got the next seven days off to do whatever I want. And then I'll go back to work and, you know, I'll fly a little bit and then I come home. And the other beautiful part of this is wow. men and women are paid at an equal pay scale. There is no person at my company that has the same seniority as me or less that would get paid more than me. No. So it doesn't matter that I'm a woman. I've been at my company for almost 15 years. No new hire gentleman that only has two years would ever get paid more than me. And so you can really, yeah, you can really tailor this to a great lifestyle, the great value of your time. And depending on what you want, I could easily be a captain, you know, in the next couple of months, I simply choose not to because I'm choosing to be a mom. Yeah. 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 But it's, yeah, it's believing in the power of and that's how I see it. I can have an amazing career and travel the world and go 500 miles per hour and be present for my children and my family and make a difference. And so it's just, it's just a matter of your, your choices and the perspective. I'm, I've talked to friends and like, Oh, but you leave your children. Yes. But when I'm home, that's the first thing. Yeah. I'm I'm genuinely here, present, yes, full. Yes. Like I love it. I do. Well, you know, it's funny when I was uh, doing research with you, I was I was seeing. I was like, hold on, she's a mom, and she's doing this profession. I'm like, okay, let let me first say number one, that's spectacular. Kudos to you. And the one child I see, I'm not even surprised. She's adorable. He or Thank she, you. She, <laughs> I have two girls. Yeah, they're two girls. Yeah, they're they're girls. Amazing. So seeing that just puts me in a mode of like, okay, now let's just say it's not all about the money at this point. It's not all about the prestige because you already have the prestige. You technically, you could rub elbows with 
lawyers and doctors. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, yeah. what do you do? I'm a doctor. Oh, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. What do you do? Oh, I fly commercial jets. Bang. And it's just like game over. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen this happen in real life. It, it is a lot of fun. Just yes. Secretly, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, to Mike uh, drop that career, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, just seeing you in mom mode and seeing you coming out the car and walking into whatever store and you have your two daughters with you. And you're like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, I work for this particular airline or this particular agency. It's like, what do you do? So when people see this, um, I'm pretty sure it becomes very intimidating to a lot of people. That's why I want to encourage people to really uh, um, get out here and see that there are a lot of experience, a lot of things that you could actually change. I could have only imagined you being in a plane and your stress reliever has to be being up in the sky. You know, I could not imagine a day unless it's a rainy day and you have a whole bunch of things going on because you have the uh, what's the thing called when the plane's going up and down? Um, the turbulence. Uh, the turbulence, right? So <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's tough too. But there's so many things with these professions that I learned with extreme professions. That's what I call extreme profession. Um, you know, you have questions for doctors, you have questions for lawyers, um, all of the wildest things. There's tons of it. I know we only have you here for a while. Look, the half hour already went by already. So the question what I have to ask randomly would be, when have you ever been in a plane uh, off the record and been high, uh, high in the sky and seen um, an unidentified flying object? No, people want to know this thing. Have you ever seen anything in the sky strange? No, no. Um, I know a lot of, I have, I've flown with passengers. Um, you know, and they, they ask that, you know, when we're going to Vegas, they always say, you know, where is area, it's area 54, where, where's that secret area? I'm like, it's right there. It's a black hole. There's no, there, I've never seen anything to where it was of concern or needed to be reported. No, I think the most incredible thing I have seen is the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. It's incredible. That's incredible. That is, yes, it's absolutely stunning once you get near uh, way up north in Canada and Alaska. It's it's gorgeous. It's incredible, the universe that we live in. It's absolutely beautiful. Now you find this, is, you know, and the thing is that people always like, oh, you know, they don't realize the, the amenities in our country. Um, do you fly national or international? So I do a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of both. Um, and how our schedules work is you, you just pick. Do you want to stay domestic, which is within the, you know, the 48 United States, 48, you know, domestic constant of the United States, or if you want to go abroad. So it, it depends, depends on the month and what we're doing and what my family needs, um, the European trips and going out to South America and the Caribbean, they're a little bit longer. And so I try to steer clear of those, um, especially while my girls are in school, maybe in the summertime, you know, definitely do a few longer trips, but um, I do both, which is amazing to get out of this bubble of even if it's just the United States and be able to see how the rest of the world lives. It's very humbling. I know we have a lot of, you know, concerns and issues, but this still is one of the greatest countries in the world. Yes, it is. And and you know what? I I think more people need to realize that because we as Americans tend to think that we don't have these amenities here. We don't have this great scenery here. I live in New York City. Um, There's not a day I look out the window and don't pay attention to our skyline. It's a beautiful day today. So would this be called, um, what, what state are you in? So I'm down in Hotlanta. Hotlanta. Yes. Wow. Yes. I'm in the dirty South. I am. <laughs> I would have never known. That's amazing. Because you just don't know where you live. Wow. Um, that's amazing. Shout out to Atlanta. So um, th- there's a few questions I have. I have so much. So um, we already spoke about how this all started. Um, 
parents as far as like who played the role in your lives? What was your dad to you or who was your mom to you? Who were your influences in regards to you becoming the excellence of woman that you are today? Well, that's that's very thoughtful. Thank you. And that, that's a wonderful question. I think um, a lot of us in the African-American community can just relate to powerful moms, powerful, powerful moms. Um, my mother was a single mom for many, many years. And my stepdad is incredible. And my, my father, he's a great man. But the woman who pushed, who, you know, chose to pivot. If I'm the head, she was the neck to show me my potential of what's possible. It was my mother. Day in and day out, she put all four of us through college. I have three siblings, all four of us through college, never questioned, you know, what we might need. She just, she just provided and she did and she took care of us. And it was so many of us can relate to stories like that, whether it was your aunt or your grandmother, our community shows love when love needs to be had. And it doesn't have to be your mother that raises you. There is love in this community. And so my mother was just an incredible asset to my life, my dreams and to who I am to this very day. Shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. Yes. The thing is, it, is um, it was your mother. Uh, you are black or or, or, or Hispanic. What, what is that? You're not, you're not, I'm, I'm not I sure. get that <laughs> countlessly. I, I, I didn't want to ask, but I was like, you know what? I'm not sure. Could it's be okay. Anybody. So I have heard Hawaiian, Asian, Asian Polynesian, yes, yes. Um, Indian. Yes. And I've also heard, um, actually, someone just asked me if I was a good looking mutt. I was like, oh, that's that's nice. Um, I'm African American. I am. My wow. grandmother is mixed down the line, but I am. I'm an African American, proud woman. Of wow. you know, and teach my little girls black girl magic every single day. So yes, black girl magic. Al, yes. see, listen, <laughs> we see what's going on here. Um, male role models. Uh, let's see. That's excellent. Male role models. Um, two and actually three come to mind. Um, the first. My father, he, he's a great man. He is a great man, regardless of you know the relationship that him and my mother had. He's a cop, he's a proud cop, he's an incredible man. Um, my stepfather was actually also in the aviation industry. Um, he came in the picture a lot later. I was already a professional pilot at the time and doing a few things and so, but he is just a great man. And the third, and I hope my daughters marry someone just like him, my husband. My husband is an African-American pilot. He is a captain at United Airlines. He is wow. just incredible. I've got an alpha man and I'm so proud. He's, he is a leader. And if my girls could just emulate anything in this man, it would be an honor. He's just incredible. To, and it's, I'm so proud to have the marriage that I have to show our girls what's capable because you know how it is. It's You see all these headlines, things right. are crazy. People are getting married for 20 seconds and that's just, that's insane. We are not doing the African-American community any type of good no. by yes. not having these solid relationships that just yes. show love. There's so much power in love. So and, my and husband this, definitely. This is why I have you here today. You know what? And let, let your husband know we're not going to let him get away. Either <laughs> too quickly. He's, he's going to be back here as well. I'm going to have to interview him exclusively though. Because uh, this is something that I've started. Now, now, as you know, when I first uh, met you, I wanted to do um, a documentary. Yeah. But unfortunately, due to the circumstances, it's a little harder unless you do. Do you ever fly into um, Kennedy? I do Kennedy all the time okay. before COVID. So before let's COVID. let's keep that on the books. Let's let's right. like, let's keep that penciled in. We yes. can definitely make that happen once yes. things start picking up again. Yes. But yeah, I was based in New York, ironically, uh, for years in Kennedy. 
Yes, for years until I transferred down to Atlanta. It just makes it a little bit easier for the family life. So, yes, we'll definitely have to get that on the books. Yes. yes. You know what? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing her confirm this. So, I'm super, you know, I'm getting right there. <laughs> I'm trying to control myself because I, I want to get up and go scream. Ah! But, <laughs> but thank you so much because, of course, that, that was the beginning of it because a, uh, a female friend of mine, she actually drives a, a locomotive diesel. So, we we're trying to put this together. And then I had you, and it just, COVID hit and it, it kind of got rough as far as home, you know, the writer's block. But now we're here. We're trying to do the best that we can with streaming. And of course, I waited and we've been trying to do this right doing since last year. It's It's been a while. And I, I what your listeners and viewers did not hear is our conversation before where I just, I thank Nathaniel for his patience um, with COVID and schedules and, and things just being a little bit more challenging than usual. So yes. I, I love this. I love that we were able to connect and to just, you know, give value to so many people that don't know what's possible. They it is possible. Know. You just need your, you need a belief in yourself and your next breath. That's yes. all you need. You don't need other people to think about it. You don't need anybody else's approval. You just need to believe in yourself and your next breath. That's it. Wow. That truly is it. Uh, it's it's uh, like I told you. You know, you know I'm giddy here. Um, parenting, marriage. Um, what would you recommend? I mean, Grant. I mean, you and your husband's in the same profession. I mean, clearly, did you? Did you? Well, it's two different two different agencies. But I don't know if you ever flown on a plane. Uh, was did your kids ever fly on a plane that you actually operated? Did your husband or vice versa? Did you happen to sit in the first class while he sat there and did his thing? Because a lot of people watch the movie Airplane, and we have to kind of eliminate <laughs> all these little things here. <laughs> that was so wrong. He did good so, under yeah. the circumstances, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only imagine. What you guys have to talk about, I mean, I'm pre- pretty sure, especially when it gets technical, because you start probably naming codes, what this means, and we had an R34 today. I, I don't know. I'm just making up things. But um, I could only imagine the conversation that you and your husband have. Um, would you encourage people to probably think of meeting somebody that's in the field, something like that, where you guys are learning from each other and strengthening? Because I'm pretty f- sure his strength comes a lot from you and vice versa to be a power couple like this, which we don't see this black excellence often. So this is something that we need to really put out. So does, I could have never imagined you guys even having problems, ups and downs. What could you go through knowing that you're the two of the same fields, but do you still go through the same thing of what are we doing Valentine's day? Because you're not going to be flying that damn plane today. Like talk. (laughs) (laughs) So that is a, that, that is a lot of questions. Um, so I, I would say um, to start, I guess there, there are a few questions mixed in that. So yes, yeah. I have flown with my husband. So it's, it's actually really cool. What we have in the flight deck, it's called a jump seat and it's an extra seat. So when the FAA has to ride and observe, it's the, both pilots are facing forward and there's a seat that comes in front of the door. It's almost like a, a, a small seat that is in the middle of the two pilots to observe. Right. It's an observer okay. seat. That's what it is. And pilots okay. are allowed to sit in that as an extra seat. So I've sat in my husband's um, jump seat and he sat in mine. And it's been very interesting, um, especially when we fly the same planes. And I'm just like, you know what? You no, no comments. You just stay back there, you know, and let me fly my plane. So it has been fun. And recently, regardless of COVID, I was actually able to take my husband and my two girls up to Boston for an entire day. And so I literally flew them to Boston and he's, he's incredible because I was coming in for landing and he's like, no, cause you, with the, 
I'm talking too fast here. The, no, the airplane has the TV screens. And so right, my girls right. were watching a cartoon or something and he turned them off and he's like, mommy is about to land this plane. He was like, this is your mom. They're like, I think they put oh. the dots together for the first time. They were like, oh, this is what she really does. I mean, they see me in uniform, right. but it was really no, nice. They really came know. up to the flight deck. Yeah, I let them push some buttons and then they went back down. And so then the next day I flew them home. So um, we have not done a trip in my husband's plane just yet. Okay. Um, it's just the COVID logistics. It's right, been a little right, hard right. to challenge. Um, but from there, as far as what I would recommend, I don't think it's necessary that someone's in the same industry, but there is the same amount of respect. So whether you are a doctor married to a wife that stays at home, that's a job. That is a lot of work to be a stay at home mom. There are these invisible pulls and challenges of running a household and, you know, taking care of a family, doing what you need to do to help create amazing little human beings. And so I recommend that one, especially black women and young black men, do not lower your standards. I don't care how pretty they are or how they make you laugh. You listen to that voice in your heart. If it's not a good fit, it's not going to be a good fit when kids and bills and moving and all of these other challenges come into play. So the biggest thing I can simply recommend is keeping those standards high, listening to that inner voice and always respect, much respect, regardless of if you've had a bad day or, you know, whatnot, just respect. And actually the last thing I'd say is communication. That is something I would recommend. And um, to anyone with a marriage that's solid, you lock that door from the inside out. Don't go to your girlfriends and complain about your man. Don't go to your mom and complain about your wife. Yeah, go to the source. Go to the source. This is what I am feeling. This is what is bothering me. Let's fix this and let's grow and level up as a couple versus as an individual that now there's a little bit of resent that's been planted. So Hmm. all of those things, as far as keeping your standards high, don't lower them for anybody. People tell me that all the time. You're just too picky. Maybe for you, yeah, <laughs> I'm not too picky for me. No, no, there's no. there's no. only one Dawn. I know what yeah. I want, that's not it. you. So well, that's, that's your, it. Your, your confidence is literally high in the sky for real. <laughs> literally. And that that's that. I mean, why wouldn't anybody embrace that? Why wouldn't anybody want to follow that? I mean, this is inspiring me because, again, it just shows like, hey, at the end of the day, we still have – we're a couple. We're married. We're still going to have a day of, hey, you know, you left the TV on. Hey, you left this in the shower. You know, we, we couldn't imagine that. Hey, wow. You know, you guys both find a place. Do you have a certain style? And that's one of the things I want to ask you, too. In regards to being married, how long have you been married for? Uh, 12 years. Okay. So you've been married for 12 years. Being married, do you guys have kind of like something special that you do in regards to the plane, like he's able to land in a certain way, that's the skill, or is it just a landing is a landing? What What is it that you are known to be unique about from a takeoff to a landing versus your husband? You know, that is a beautiful question because <laughs> flying is so unique to each person. Right. Um, I would say for what we do as our jobs, our passion, our craft, um, we're very similar, but we're very different. Meaning my husband is more, he's more analytical. He flies the plane with, you know, numbers and, you know, very, very specific details of engine parameters and different things like that, where I fly by feel. I can, I can feel it. I, I know what's going on. I know what the engines need. I know what the aircraft needs. I know what the wind is doing. And that's, 
every pilot is a little bit different. You're trained and then you add your own flair to that, whether it's the stats and the numbers mm -hmm. or it's the feel of the, the wind. And I'm not saying feel like this feels good. I'm going to land here. No. no, you get a feel for what you're doing. Just like when you know your car's going too fast or right. you with the trains, you know, you know what the train needs on certain tracks, yes. certain turns, certain velocities, what you're yes. doing You're yes. you know. Yes. And so um, I don't want to say it's intuition or anything like that, but it's just, how we've developed our own craft and how we've rested into it and leveled up um, the way we take that on versus maybe, you know, some other pilot, but everybody does it a little bit different. Um, the, the beauty is it depends on the day, the winds, no takeoff, Nathaniel, no landing is ever the same. It's never the same no. conditions. No, the wind is different. The passenger count is different. So your airplane is heavier or lighter. Um, I can go from, I used to fly from, um, LaGuardia to Boston and LaGuardia to New York on the a shuttle flight. And I would do that six, seven times a day. But every time the fuel load was different, the passenger load was different. So the weight of the airplane was different. The winds are different. Um, it just, it depends on what you're doing. So that's also the beauty of this job and this career is this passion for perfection because every single time it's different. It's not like driving a car. It's not like, you know, riding a bike. It's nothing like that because you have all of these other elements sometimes not working in your favor and you have to correct wind, snow, sleet, low visibilities, you still have to land and you still have to do a great job. So it's that constant, you know, drive and seeking perfection. And it's almost a thrill to be better than your best. And it's, right. it's really, really empowering. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you find, what do you find challenging? For example, we all know, um, People don't realize that you're supposed to wear your, your seatbelts because of turbulence. God forbid, you could get up and you know your head could hit the ceiling. You know, we used to think like I used to always think I was I had catch like a spinal injury or something like that. But in regards to um, before I get to the myths, but in regards to like when you fly, even a clear day like it is now, pretty much in New York, is this just as good as it is, or is there factors that we don't realize because it's a clear, beautiful day? What factors are there when you're flying a plane as well? That's an excellent question. Um, some of the factors, and I'd say back to the original question, some of the challenges, it's just passengers, they don't know what they don't know. And that's okay. But on clear days, sometimes you might hear, oh, well, we have a delay going to New York. And you're sitting there thinking, but it's a clear day. Why? Right. It's that volume and there's only a certain amount of gates that are open. And so we have to wait. And these are things that passengers, it's too much behind the scenes to try to give them this information and, you know, oh, okay, it's, you know, 6,000 planes going in one direction and they have to slow us down. So just some of those unseen things. And it's just part of the job that we understand as pilots being on the other side of that curtain almost versus passengers that either rarely ever fly or this is the one time they fly for, you know, the past six years, or even the constant business traveler. So just right. a lot of the behind the scenes things, you know, um, repercussions or even just, you know, delays with air traffic control. Do right. There could be a storm. Right. Yeah, there right. could be a storm in California that's delaying flights to New York. Really? You just you can't see that stuff, you know? Wow. Yes. How, would, how yes. would that be possible? Because the storm delayed the planes there. So now they all, now we have all these planes by the time I get to my destination? Well, sort of. Um, we, with the airlines, we work on routes. So right. your plane that is going from, let's say, Atlanta to New York, if it can't get to Atlanta because of a storm in California and they don't have any extra planes because everything is flying, you're just delayed. So this one storm can cause a, you know, a domino effect for countless other flights to be delayed going across the country, 
delayed going across the world. So it's little things like that. Like there, it's all of these small pieces that make up this strong link. And if one link of that chain is a little bit loose, they have to start, you know, our dispatchers, the, you know, route planners, schedulers. Sometimes we, hey, pilots, that's the other thing. We can only work a certain amount of hours in the day. So if that storm delays us and we're still on duty, now technically we've timed out. Now you don't have a crew and flight attendants are the same way. So all of these behind the scenes, legalities, work rules, volume, weather that play into if a flight goes out on time or not. And sometimes the challenge I think and the frustration on our end is it's just out of our control sometimes. No pilot is trying to be late on purpose. We want to finish the job. We want to do a great job. We want you know, to represent um, our, you know, our craft and what we do and our company that we work for, but sometimes it's just out of our control. Now, the thing is, what happens now when you're when you're in the sky, and let's just say it's raining, and we see snow. How does a plane land and then snowstorm just drop? But you happen to be in the sky, um, countries or states far away, and, and meanwhile there's a blizzard. How does that damn plane land? Oh, beautifully! That's how it lands when I fly it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> no, to answer your question, we have incredible technology where we can see thunderstorms, turbulence. Um, the technology is so much better than what it used to be. And I don't think the engineers and designers of a lot of this new these new platforms that we are able to utilize right. get enough credit. I think people still get on that aircraft thinking it's Pan Am and it's 1950. Right, and right, hold on and hope it all right. works out. No, we have a lot of instrumentation and support technology wise to guide us around weather. Now, sometimes, I mean, it's, it's technology and it's mother nature. Those two things don't always work as you have plans. So there's right. still some times where there's turbulence or it might be a little rough coming in for landing, meaning just really windy and making passengers uncomfortable, but have no fear. The fear is trained out of you as a pilot. So it doesn't bother us at all. It's just another day at work. So, um, the start. Uh, uh, give us the give us the mode of getting up in the morning and heading to the airport from literally checking in to getting on the plane. Because you know it's like going to your car, opening the door, start it up, warm it up. They don't even warm up cars anymore and drive off. <laughs> I want to hear the technical layout of exactly what do you do to get this thing off the ground. I, I give me a couple of codes that you could keep you know, within reason, because I know you have your privacy and things and stuff, but I want to hear everything. I want to see when you pick this up, do you go pick a plane? I want to fly this one. This one's shinier today. I don't know. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So a day in the life of a pilot, huh? Yes. So um, let's see. I just flew a couple of days ago. So what happens before I even go to work? I bid for a schedule. So what you do is you put in your bid. So right now, actually today, after this call in the next few minutes, I'm going to go into a computer, set on, get on our system for deciding our schedule and tell the system what days I want off, what types of trips I want, when I want to fly, um, which aircraft I want to fly. Um, the aircraft I fly, there are three different versions of it mm-hmm. and I can pick which one I want, mostly because of my seniority, so I can. If I was not a senior, I'd pretty much be on call and all I could say were, is I want these days off. I can't pick all these specifics. <laughs> no. Wow. No. So um, that's why it helps to be senior. So from there, um, I get my schedule and my schedule tells me what days I'm flying, um, where I'm going, when I leave, when I come back. 
And then I set that up with my family. So mommy's gone on Monday and Tuesday, and then I'm back, and then I might be gone for part of Saturday. I have to go to Denver and back, and then I'll be back for dinner time. So I set up the schedule with the family. Um, from there, when it's my time to actually go to work, get your uniform on, make sure, you know, we have um, our charts, all my charts are up to date. I've checked the weather, all of that stuff the night before. Um, so you have a better idea of what you're doing. So let's say I'm just going from Atlanta to New York. I, I already know my schedule, the aircraft and the gate that I'm departing from. All that's done like a month ahead on my schedule. Wow. So I show up to the airport, I go through uh, employee check-in and I go through there and then I go to my gate. I meet up with the captain. We talk about the weather. We do a brief with us too. We do a brief with the flight attendants. We talk to the gate agent to make sure that there's nothing special we need to worry about. Even small things like, hey, you have um, you know, two puppies on board. Okay. We need we know you know to look out for these small things, you know, or someone has a wheelchair or you have a blind person on board or, you know, someone might need extra assistance or we have unaccompanied minors. Um, usually the flight attendants know about that, but we know about it as well. Um, so we don't lose anybody in transit. And so from there, we are looking at the weather. We've done all of our briefings. So we're setting up our office. And that's the flight deck with all those buttons that you see. And we're doing all kinds of, you know, tests. We're testing the engines before we start them. We're testing the APU before we start them. We're checking our fuel, our hydraulics. Um, as a first officer, one of my duties is to do a walk around. So I'll actually leave the aircraft, go down the stairs of the air, like on the actual airport property and walk around the aircraft. And I'm walking around, I'm checking my engines, my tires, the wings, you know, talking to the fuelers. Uh, we're, we're doing all that, the baggage, you know, all that stuff that's being loaded. If we have those puppies, I'm looking out for the puppies. Are the, are the puppies there? What are we doing? So um, we come back up and we finish all of our checks and we, you have to, you know, we're loading up the route for where we're going to fly, our departure runway, the landing runway, checking the weather, looking for turbulence. Um, briefing began between the captain and the first officer, making a plan for departure, talking about the traffic, how many airplanes have to uh, take off before us, what that looks like. Right. Uh, once we got everybody on board and the gate agent is good, the flight attendant gives us her okay that everybody's, they've done their briefings, they've done the emergency exit briefings, they're all set. And so we'll close that flight deck door and it's showtime, you know? So we do a few more checks. We do some checklists, we push back, we're communicating with our ground, we're communicating with the tower, getting in line and taxing back. And again, those small things that passengers might not realize, those gate areas get congested. So just because we're ready doesn't mean that we have room to push this massive aircraft back into this space. We have to wait our turn. So we push our aircraft back, we're going to start our engines. And again, we're starting our engines, we're putting down our flaps, we're checking the numbers, because like I mentioned, every flight is different. So we have to make sure our weight is in a certain range so that we can actually take off properly versus being overweight, being out of balance. It, it, tells, you, it tells you how much weight is. is uh, yes, yes. I usually take off about 170,000 pounds, 150,000 pounds, a huge range, yes. But you wanna make sure that everything is set up and balanced like it's supposed to. Um, and then we, we're getting our speeds because our engine runs at different speeds. The temperature of the day can dictate that. The pressure altitude that you're at, meaning if you're really high in the mountains like in Denver, or if you're really low and you're just in some place like Atlanta, which is not very high. Um, and so from there, we'll taxi out. We get in line to take off. Once we're number one for departure, well, then here we go. You know, we roll onto the runway. 
rev the engines up and you can just hear them spooling up. It's, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes. yes, the power is coming. And we're going down the runway almost about 100 miles per hour. That's when we do another check. And so you're, you're, you don't hear this in the back, but we're almost 100 miles per hour. And if I am the pilot flying, because only one of us flies at a time. So if I'm the yeah. pilot flying, the non-flying pilot is doing a check literally at 100 miles per hour. Is they're checking our engines, the parameters, the vibrations, all of this with a look, all of this visually making sure that everything is okay before we take that aircraft off the ground. And then almost about 140, near 150 miles per hour, depending, 160, depending on, you know, right. how light we are, that's when we'll actually rotate. And you have so much going on with the physics and Bernoulli and all of these principles and you rotate and you're airborne. You are good to go. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. How do you how do you get up there? Like what, what, when you're on the, the runway and you're doing 100 miles an hour, how does it? How do you uh, level up? Where like do you? Get, we think you hit a floor pedal or something, or you just hit a level? Like what does it do? Because this is crazy. So the really fun part about flying is it's backwards than driving a car. So on the ground you have rudder pedals, and that's how you steer. So you steer with your feet and not with your hands like a car. And your okay. power comes from your hand. We have thrust levers that um, are in the center console. So that's a pilot, all of the engine parameters and whatnot, computers, and then the other pilots. So in that center console, just like in a car, you're uh, almost like a stick shift, that's where your thrust levers are. And so you'll push those forward and that increases the engine power. And then as you get fast enough, you rotate. So you have a yoke in front of you. That's how you actually fly in the air. That yoke does nothing for you on the ground. That giant pedestal that comes up off the ground yes. and looks like a steering wheel. You don't use that on the ground at all. So you um, they only use that in the air. So once you're fast enough, that is what actually activates the instruments on your and the instruments on your wing to actually help you rotate and lift off. So that's when that becomes active. Then you just simply gently pull back. The air flows under the wing. It's higher pressure on the bottom, lighter pressure on the top, and beautifully lifts that aircraft off the ground. Oh my god. Ladies it's and so gentlemen. fun. Landings are even better. Landings are even better to bring this giant steel tube yes. on the ground going over 100 miles per hour every time. Now, oh, I love it. I love when, it. When you're up, I wanted to get to that landing. When you're up in the sky, and let's just say like, damn, I got to, I want to watch something. I want to get to the hotel. I'm getting, to, whatever. Can you increase your speed? You can to a certain extent. We can go a little bit faster, a little bit slower, but I will say depending on where we're going. If we're going to a busy city and do you remember I told you about, you know, the um traffic. The traffic going in, sometimes you know, we'll be told, "Hey, we need you to slow down. You're going too fast. We have so many people coming in, you know, to the Los Angeles airspace, you know, to come in for landing." You guys, we have to, you know, start spreading you apart. But yeah, you can definitely, you can speed up. You can slow down. Sometimes we do have to slow down for um, turbulence. You don't right. want your aircraft going too fast in turbulence. It's not good for the structure of the airplane. Right. Right. And so right. we'll slow down for that. But yeah, we can, we can definitely speed up. Well, it's what's, a the, what's, what's the fastest a, a commercial jet can go? Or is it different categories with the three? Ones it yeah, it depends on the jet. I, I, my apologies. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's no, going to no, depend no. on the jet. Um, you have. What's the jet that you said you, you prefer? So I fly, today, right? yeah, I fly an Airbus, and I prefer the biggest one um, in my category, which is the Airbus 321. So I fly <sighs> a 319, a 320, and a 321. And of those three that I'm qualified to fly on right now, 
I fly the biggest one, which is the 321. So, and it's, um, so for us, it's about seven, nine, which depending on your ground speed. So you have your actual speed that you're going through the air, but if you have a tailwind from the weather, you can be going a lot faster. So I've easily been going over 500 miles per hour. Easily. It's literally going 500. Oh yeah. That's a good day. (laughs) We only feel this when, when the plane is landing, I guess, because now it's like, like that. Oh, okay. So now you're in the air. You're about to, you're about to land. And this is the part, like, if anybody's seen me on the airplane, I'm telling you right now, I have problems. Because when I go up, I'm like, I, it just gets the adrenaline rush. I love just that whole, then on the landing, forget it. I get emotional. Like, really, I go nuts, seriously. So I want to know, is this same, can you relate to this emotion? Because cr- clearly, you finished the job when you at least land. How How is the landing prepared? And what is that thing that goes, like, it lands in it. You feel like an air go, it pushes back. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. Do you press a button for that? Yes, sort <laughs> oh of. Sort of. Yes. <laughs> so when you're coming in for landing, all oh. kinds of preparation are set up while passengers are in the back sleeping. We are preparing for landing almost 35, 40 minutes before we even get to our destination, depending on where we're going. And so. What we're doing is we're looking at the weather, the winds, which runway we're going to land on, how to, what route we're going to take from once we land to actually get to our gate, because obviously we're going from gate to gate, what that looks like. And so what we're also doing is setting up, um, you know, how much fuel we have, what weight we're going to land, how much distance we have to actually land on. You know, it's not a car. You can't just pull it over on the side of the road. So what you hear um, as we're descending, you hear that, you know, and you hear the engines, they'll... You might hear the engine spool back a little because you don't need all that speed to land. We're trying to slow down now. So we're trying to come down and slow down. Um, We have different equipment that we put out. They're called flaps that helps us slow down. You put your landing gear down, obviously. But what you hear, those are our thrust reversers. So what that is, is these aircraft are hundreds of thousands of pounds. But that runway is is not going to get longer, darling. So what you need to do is we have to put out thrust reversers. It's almost as if a parachute is on the back. So it's just stopping all of that energy from going forward and it just helps you slow down. Sometimes they can be put out a little aggressive. Sometimes it's nice and smooth. On shorter runways, um, I'm sure, you know, if you're flying into LaGuardia, you said you're in New York, those aren't the very longest runways. So you might hear a lot more noise on those. Yes, we need to slow down. We've got to stop. We've got to go. We can put it on there as beautifully as possible, but then we have to stop. So that's why it might seem a little more aggressive or a little louder at airports like LaGuardia and Washington, D.C., where those runways are shorter versus JFK. They've got plenty of long runways, so it probably won't sound as aggressive. But, yeah, those are the thrust reversers that you hear. They do a great job. They do a great job. I get the super duper. Thank you for that. And I want to thank every pilot in the world (laughs) because that makes that's the beginning of my trip when I feel that because I just like that whole boom. Right. (laughs) So, uh, again, now you flying like a. a private jet. Um, we hear the word jet. We, we the people are under the influence that um, a, a private jet is faster than a commercial jet. Is that true? It depends on the jet. Honestly, it depends on the jet and the size. Um, you hear, I'm sure, in plenty of songs they talk about the G4 and the G5. Yeah, those go faster than my airplane. They're smaller, um, so they're much lighter, and so they can go a lot faster. So, yeah. 
And how, do they go at higher altitude also? Because yes, they high- do. Yes, they do. They're, they're much lighter. And so they have capabilities that it's almost like um, a, a tank. You know, I fly this big, massive thing. There's right. some limitations versus something smaller, lighter. Um, it can definitely go almost like a like a Hummer in a vet. Right, definitely right, right, two right. different. They do a great job, both of them. Great but the vet is a lot faster. Can go a yes. lot farther, a lot yes. quicker. Yes. So, yeah. Well, what what is the the average height? Because I would assume five thousand feet, or do you guys? What's what's the highest that you can go? Uh forty thousand. You're up 40, there, darling. 000. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the private jets you mentioned, forty three thousand easily. Mm-hmm. You're you are high. That's why they give all of these instructions about your oxygen mask and putting them on. Yes, you are up there. Yes. So God forbid somebody opens that door, they're dead. Don't do that. I keep telling people, they watch these TV shows and watch these movies like Airplane. Let's kind of eliminate these myths. Like, do not even think of that happening. No, no. That is emergency only. It is not an emergency because you did not get your Coke. Calm down. Somebody will help you. Calm down. That is not an emergency. So, yeah, no, you you were up there. You were up there easily. Um, Even a smaller aircraft. 30,000, 35, 20. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Um, LED lights. I'm a fan of lights. I love seeing the lights in the sky. I like seeing the headlights and I like seeing the red light that blinks. Uh, I do know living in New York, I have a lot of buildings here. So, of course, we see the bridges that have the red lights on them. And I'm not far from the Verrazano Bridge and the Bayonne Bridge at all. So, I see all these planes flying into my backyard, literally out of my window now. So uh, <laughs> she knows I'm, she knows I'm a nutcase with this. She can see it. She knows I'm a fanatic. I love so, it. With, with the lighting, um, what, what do the lights mean? I mean, yes, granted, we can see the light flashing, but what do the lights mean? And do those actual lights really have a purpose and do the headlights work? Oh, that's excellent. So yeah, all of the lights, uh, especially for night flying, they have to work on the aircraft. Um, That's an FAA mandate and it's for safety purposes. So the light that you see blinking a lot of the time, that's called our beacon. And that is so when we're in the sky, it's just recognized as another moving aircraft. Um, You see red and green lights and that helps you determine what direction the aircraft is going. And so what that means is if you see... um, like a green light and a red light coming towards you, you know that aircraft is coming towards you or if you see it going away from you. So that helps with the orientation of the actual aircraft itself. You'll see other lights, um, white lights on the wingtips, you know, again, just yes, for orientation yes. of where the aircraft is, what direction it's going. Um, we also have logo lights and that simply is a light that lights up the tail so you can see whether what what company it is. That's, you know, especially oh, at night. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah. And that helps, uh, especially on the ground at nighttime, um, just so the controllers can see which aircraft is which. And we also have, you know, computer technology to show which aircraft is which. But yeah, all of those lights, they do have a purpose. They have a purpose. And one of the big things um, at the airlines with the beacon, and um, that's that light, the red light you see kind of going on and off. That's telling our ground crew that we're, we're ready to go. You know, we're ready to go. We're ready to be pushed back. It's time to start movement. And so, and then on the ground, there are different things that we use um, when we've stopped, when we've started, when we're going to start taxiing again, when we're about to take off. And again, all of those lights, they definitely have a purpose. Um, planes close by. Let's just say you're mm-hmm. in the sky. Um, I know that's the most nervous thing for anybody to see. I believe I did probably a couple of times in my life see another plane thousands and thousands of feet away. I do believe, I don't think I'm hallucinating, but I do believe I did see that. Is that, the sky is endless. We do know the sky is the limit, but 
is there, has there been a time when you seen like, hey, oh, this is that, this, what agency is that? What company is that? And other planes close by, is that possible? Oh, all the time, all the time. Um, but it's not in a danger factor. So all of the aircraft are kept in the sky and we have mandated altitudes that we cannot fly in, meaning we can only be a certain amount of altitudes or miles away from another aircraft. So it seems close to the passengers, right. but for the pilots, that's just everyday flying. Yeah, we see all the companies all the time, all the time. It's, it looks, again, it looks close to passengers. Even when we're landing, I'm sure you've right. seen that sometimes it seems like the other aircraft is right next to us. Right. No, they're they're a couple miles away. It's just the illusion. It, it looks a lot closer, especially when you don't see it all the time. Away. Wow. They're, they're not, yeah, they're really not that close. Okay. Nothing, nothing that would be a hindrance to danger. And we also have equipment on board that tells us if an aircraft is ever too close. And we okay. have, you know, different procedures to to mitigate that. So flying is so safe. It's so unbelievably safe. It's very safe. It's wow. more dangerous for you to drive your car in New York than to fly. Wow, an than to fly an airplane. Wow, wow. Yes. And you know what? She's right about that because I'll be facing a lot of things. Don't judge me out here in New York. I'm, I'm sure you do in New York. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, can you fly a fighter jet? And have you ever seen one in the sky? Or are you allowed to say you've seen one? Oh, yeah. We've seen fighter jets. Yeah. So especially when you're flying out west, a lot of the military... Um, what we do for aviation is we take pockets of airspace and right. you use them. So you'll use your latitude, longitude, and you say, okay, you won't go this far south because the military is using that space. And they're just, they're practicing, they're training, um, they're doing what they need to do to protect our country. And so I personally cannot fly a fighter jet because I've not been trained on it. I don't have, my background is completely civilian, but um, a good friend of mine, she she was a fighter jet pilot and now she's Whoa. over at the airlines. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Another female is pushing a flight jet. An African-American female. We'll talk about this after this show. She's amazing. And she works at my company now as an airline pilot. But, yo, yes. Oh, yes. She's oh, incredible. man, this, this is going to be sensational. I'm going to have the best documentary in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? <laughs> it's quite, she's quite impressive. Quite wow, impressive. Yes, you thought I was going fast. She can tell you some stories about going incredibly fast in a fighter jet. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I'm, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. If I'm not taking the comments right now, we're going to take the comments because I have a limited time with Dawn Cookie. I went through a lot to get her here. So this is probably <laughs> the first interview that I had to literally put the I, I can see the comments, but I'm not seeing the comments because I don't want to get distracted. I got a million questions because she's going to be leaving very shortly. So listen, um, you, you spoke about the training, flying over water. Um, I, I noticed this impression that we think that... Um, I mean, uh, clearly, I, I had a I had a pilot tell me this himself when I was on a flight coming back from um, wherever I was coming from the Caribbean. There was a brother there, cool dude. And I said, I said, let me ask you a question, man, because I know a woman that used to work in a company in uh, Australia or one of these uh, countries that actually built navigation. So I said, do, does a plane fly itself? He said, no, 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 it doesn't fly. Because we was under the impression that the plane is a computer and. The pilots are there to make sure that everything is okay, but for the most part, it flies itself because we always hear autopilot. Is this true or false? <laughs> yeah, I need to know. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, aircraft, not all of them, um, right. but um, major airlines, cargo, um, private jets, we have an autopilot option. Yes. And that's oh. simply to assist us for, especially the longer flights when we're just flying straight and level. We're not climbing, we're not descending, and it's just monitoring the computers and it keeps the plane straight and level. Um, it can help us descend. It can actually, depending on the technology, um, some aircraft can auto land itself. But what it cannot do is it cannot fix emergencies. 
It does not oh. have that kind of capability. It cannot oh, put your gear down. It cannot put your flaps down. It cannot do that without the assistance of a pilot. So it's there to just take our workload off when it's not necessary. Like Correct, but doing okay. all of the things necessary to get you on the ground safely, it cannot do that, no. Um, okay. Any emergencies okay. that might come up, yeah, or being closer yeah. to other aircraft, all of that stuff. Um, it cannot do that without, no. Pilots, we are there for a reason. We have some, you know, some assistance um, if we want to, if we choose to, but it cannot do everything that a pilot can do, no. Now, with the navigation, do you do you look at a navigation on a phone like, get out of here with that nonsense, knowing that you deal with like a real navigation? Like, because <laughs> I can only imagine, because I'm, I'm, real, I'm real big into you guys when you do your codes, and um, I kind of want you to give us a layout before the show is over at the end. I want you to give us, like, I need to hear what you say. Like, you know, 434 coming down, I need to hear that. Like, this is the little kid in me, so I need, to, I need you to hear this. <laughs> so we'll do that <laughs> to the end of the show. I need to hear your little code. When you're going up, what do you say? Or when you're coming down, whatever one you want to choose. But when you are flying a plane over water, is it better to use autopilot? Or do, do you have some anxiety that you feel? Or is it just the time? Like, what is flying over the water for the plane? Is this the time where you have to keep the eyes open? Um, all the above, you know, what do you see? Tell, tell us how amazing that experience is. Well, for starters, going over the water is gorgeous. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It just kind of reminds you how small you are in the grand scheme of things with everything going on, all the rest of the people in the world, how big the world is, how incredible Mother Nature is. Um, one of the most beautiful things is, you know, seeing a thunderstorm from the sky. Wow. You're not in it, but you can right. see it from far away. And you can see the lightning jumping and the rain coming. And it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, and so flying over the water, it's, it's no different. Um, I think it's just a bigger reminder of, how small we are and how precious life is and you know how there's so many other factors involved in our daily life and and what we do on a daily basis of our you know hopes dreams plans all of that stuff um to I answer your question I, I it, it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful i love flying down to the islands and you know south america it's, it's absolutely gorgeous um and as far as our navigation it's amazing we have amazing technology. You know, we're talking to air traffic control, climbing, descending, um, what that sounds like. It can be, you know, flight 433, you know, climb to flight level 340, you know, flight four level 43, clear to land, two six left, you know, just different things like that to where it's just, we have a code. We all speak the same language um, yes. you know, for departure, you know, descend via the, the Utsi arrival and clear for the ILS approach for two six. Okay. You know, and we know what that means. And it's it's just an amazing thing. And um, with regards to being at that level of professionalism and right. passion and to do it on a daily basis, it's it's an absolute pleasure. What, what do you I mean, we can it's always inaudible to us when we hear things, unfortunately, with these little situations that happen. And I don't want to talk about anything tragic, but um, when we when we hear it, it's always like, how do they hear that? But I guess you said you can understand the language to the point like has that speaker system enhanced because it sounds like the same way we can never hear it from anywhere from i could watch a tv show from 50 years ago and i can hear pilots talking to each other from <laughs> do you guys hear that or has they worked have they worked on that damn speaker like, what's going on no it, we we hear it and it depends on the um it depends on where you're going but we also you learn to have selective hearing because right. when you're listening air traffic control is talking to maybe six seven eight different airplanes but unless they're talking to me you just kind of phase it out. 
So it's almost as if you're at a busy restaurant and everybody's talking, but unless somebody says Nathaniel, you're not going to turn your head and pay attention to those conversations. Right, right. And that's exactly what it is. It's just selective hearing and it's the lingo that we use, but it is. It's on the speakers, it's on headphones. We do have headphones um, that makes it a little bit easier, but it depends on the technology of the actual air traffic tower and how clear they come in. But yeah, it's just selective hearing to what we hear, what we listen, what we do, and um, communicating with them effectively. Now, are there any people of color, any women of color that work in the air, air traffic controllers as well? There are. I, we have a lot to chat about. I have a friend who does that too. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it becomes a small world. It really does. It really wow. does become a small world once you kind of dig in and start connecting with people. So, yes. Yes, we do. Wow. And, and you would never notice when you see people on land. Um, no. Drug testing. Do they, um, do they test the... You know, as far as even for, you know, uh, prescription drugs and stuff like that. In other words, like, how often is the drug test random the same way it would be for a person operating a subway or or, or somebody that's playing basketball? You know, how, how, how do they lay that out as far as protocol? That's an excellent question. So we have a lot that we have to go through and we have just very, very strict parameters. We have um, everybody has a regular doctor, at least I would hope. Um, we also have an FAA medical doctor. So pilots get screened twice. And so we have, like I said, our medical doctor for aviation. And then we have, you know, your regular general practice doctor. Um, we also have drug testing very, very consistently. Yeah. Yes, and it's not a matter safe. of not trusting. Good, good. It's just a matter of being safe. No, we hey. it's a very safe industry. It's very, very safe. I, I don't think there's one pilot. I would be nervous of a policy. You ain't testing me for no drugs today. No, oh, you oh, will oh, lose buddy. your job. If you don't care about your job, your reputation, your career, your life, your future, go oh. ahead and have that as a response. But no, mm. no. Ladies and very, very professional. Fly safely. So that's a great thing to hear. I mean, I always wanted to wonder about that. Um, weapons are we're under the impression I would only think they do but is it me or when I'm on a plane there's like a little hole in the door mm-hmm. right there's a hole mm-hmm. in the door of the captains and, and the what's the what's it called again first officer first officer mm-hmm. is that hole there for air or is that is that hole there for like listen uh, what's going on <laughs> it's honestly, it's it's to see what's going on. We need okay. to be able to see, um, and not only that, to also be able to determine the real cause. What we don't want is someone calling up front saying, oh, there's an emergency and it's a false alarm. You know, so we're going to kind of look back or, you know, hey, if it's some guy in the back is going crazy. It's just for us to have some type of awareness um, if the flight attendants are having an issue or, you know, there's smoke or something we need to be able to see if somebody says, Oh, there's smoke in the cockpit or there's smoke in, I'm sorry, the, you know, the with the passengers, right. we need to be able to, you know, verify or, you know, see what's going on. It just helps us to have situational awareness. It was never meant to be on the lookout for any crazy people. It's just situational awareness. Um, some airlines even have a small camera to where they can view what's going on in the back to make sure that everything is still, you know, as it's supposed to be, well, but it, it depends on the company. I could only imagine for you lovebirds out here, ladies and gentlemen, there's a camera on the back of that plane, so just be, be, be mindful of that. Camera, okay. flight attendants, just, yes, just, just be civil. You're going to get there soon. Save it for the hotel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing is, so, so basically, is it true that pilots are allowed to carry weapons? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, it's it's my flight deck. It's my aircraft. That is my responsibility to get people on the ground safely. And if somebody in the back has another plan, well, then we'll fix that. End of discussion. End of discussion. Next question, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we spoke about the commercial jets. Um, well, clearly that's what you that's you what you operate. Um, birds. I know birds are a big issue in the aircraft. Um, how serious is that, and how people? How should people understand? Because um, in New York, there was a situation here where um, a pilot landed a plane in the Hudson River. And I mean, when, when, we, when we talk about no exaggeration, I remember when that happened. I literally like had a great anxiety attack. I never had anxiety attack until that happened. But it was just so incredible. Every time I'm like, student landed a plane in this little ass river. I will never forget in a big city. Do you understand if this plane? Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, he landed it in the, into the river. Um, from birds. This happened from birds. So are birds an issue? In other words, like, is it the equivalent to us seeing a pothole in the street on a car because we have some big wheels on our car? Oh, okay. Excellent reference. Um, as with regards to a pot, no, no. Um, I will say Captain Sully, he did an incredible job, an incredible yes. job. And yeah. that is what an experienced pilot, that's what you, you know, that's what you do. That's, that's our job. Um, and so, but the birds, I will say, a lot was put on that. It is not something, it's it's always there. So what happens is the aircraft, we're landing on these long runways. The runways are concrete, they're warm, and they also have a lot of grass on the side. Well, guess where the bird's food is? In the grass. In guess the grass. what's nice and warm? Yes. The, runway. the runway. And so it can attract birds very, very easily. So it's something we are always vigilant of always caught, you know, just aware of with regards to when we're taking off, when we're landing. Um, if other aircraft see birds, they'll report them to air traffic control. Some airports even have, you know, um, machines that make loud noises that scare the birds away. And so it's something that we're mindful of. Are we concerned and worried? No, 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 no. What happened with Sully, it was definitely not, I don't want to even use the words a fluke or anything like that, but it was just an unfortunate Amount of birds, unfortunate circumstances, and he did a great job. When these oh engines are tested, God. they literally have testing facilities for the engines to where they will have giant frozen turkeys and throw them into a running engine to make sure that the engine keeps running. And I've hit birds several times. It just it runs right through that engine like a blender. You hear it. It makes a little bit of a noise, but you keep going and you, you know move about your business. Sorry, bird. How, how often is the hear the birds? Like, is that like? Common? Not often. No. Oh, okay. No, it's it's I mean, not what, often. What, what, what altitude is that? Um, it depends. Uh, maybe on takeoff, a couple thousand birds can get pretty high. A couple thousand feet. Yeah. Oh, really? You're coming in for landing. Yeah, you'll hit it right before you land or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're they they literally fly at the worst possible time, right when you're taking off or right when you're coming in for oh, landing. Coming that's in. that's, right, that's right, when right, they're right. in your way. Yeah, they're not in your way at like high altitudes or anything like that. But they're not <laughs> as often as you say. You know. The potholes on the road or anything right. like that. No, you said frozen turkeys. That's a great test to do that too. It's huge. Uh, <laughs> mood swings. You come in. Um, you know what? Maybe I need to watch this YouTube video with Axel Daniel. I don't know, right? Or you know, I'm 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 in the <laughs> I'm in the cockpit. Um, movies, podcasting. Um, are you guys allowed to do things that we would never think you were allowed to do? That's safe. No, but well. You mean what? What details? In regards to like um, listening to music, no. um, watching a YouTube video, um, 
Um, You're talk- amazing, Nathaniel, but I can't bring you in the flight deck. <laughs> <laughs> Not while I'm at work. Nope, nope, nope. It is all flying. No. Wow. Oh my. Absolutely not. No. Okay. Now, how about you want to take a nap? No. No. You when when you show up for work, we actually sign a document saying that we are ready, prepared, physically, mentally. We are fit for duty. And so if you are tired, you hey, switch your trips, do whatever, you know, but no, we, when you show up, it's a prof- almost an unspoken professional oath. Right. And especially um, you pretty much put your career on the line when you sign that paper and you say, yes, I am fit for duty. I'm ready to fly. I'm ready to go to work. So no. And you, you adjust your lifestyle. If I have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, I'm not staying up till 10 o'clock at night. That's right, not, right, right, right. I'm not going to be at my best. You know that. And that's what a professional does. You prepare, you prepare. Well, that's the thing, because I know when you drive the, the subways or the trains, if you doze off and fall asleep, there's like a thing where it pops up. It'll pick you up from sleeping and it'll stop the train. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah. Wow. So like, when you, you know, if you're in the sky, I mean, God forbid you, you travel to South America and it's a 13 hour flight. Can a pilot fly the plane without the co-pilot? In other words, let's just say you're tired. It's like, listen, I'm going to go over here, catch me about an hour, and you finish doing what you got to do. I'll be over here chilling. (laughs) I understand what you're saying. To mitigate that, actually, those longer trips, there are two crews. So two pilots will fly, and then there will be two pilots or a separate crew in the back resting, and then they'll switch. So those really long flights, some, some long, long flights, there are three crews. So yes, no, that's that's the other reason we, the FAA and the airlines, they've done everything they can to make sure that you are rested and you are, you are well. That's why there are two pilots. And then again, if it's really long, it's a whole new crew that will come up there and continue the flight. I never knew that. So there's mm-hmm. sometimes two or three crews on the same plane. Now, when you come in and as a, as a crew and somebody has already started, what do you have to adjust to that you probably don't like, or do you prefer being the first one and you, Hey, you, you do what I got to do. I started this already. Does it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. No, the routes, they're long. Everybody knows um, we're briefed up on what we're supposed to do, what's happening during this portion of your flight, what to brief the next crew on before they come up. So it it doesn't matter. It's just another day at work. Now we mentioned also, when you spoke about starting, how long does it take to start a plane? Is it just as simple as, uh, you know, what is the layout for that engine? How many engines are on the plane that you operate? Most of the um, commercial jets, the majority, almost every single one, only have two engines. So okay. it's just the two large engines. And um, older aircraft have three, but those are pretty much phased out. Um, some cargo carriers have those. And um, so we have the two engines. It's, it's just a few minutes. And what we're doing is you see this giant engine, but what passengers don't see is everything we're doing up front right. with the computers to open up the fuel valves, to open up the air vents, to inject the fuel, get the turbines running. There are different stages of these turbines that are encased in that engine that you don't see monitoring all the parameters to make sure that it's not overheating that the oil pressure is there it's lubricated and everything is set as it's supposed to be so it takes a few minutes but they're checks and balances and we're monitoring it the entire time how many switches randomly do you are you starting to get because usually i see you going click 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 do you do do, i mean that's that's second nature now but how many do you think about seven right Yeah, because we're working with um, what's called an APU, which is an auxiliary power unit. So there are a few switches for that. That kind of gives the engine some air and some life to actually get it started. And um, then you have the engine parameters that you're working with as well. So, yeah, about seven. 
Now, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you guys are coming into uh, to stay areas, and I, I don't know if people need to hear this if they have an Airbnb or they even have a living room that they want to share, but <laughs> what is uh, a big deal in regards to where you would stay and uh, as far as uh, um, price-wise or, or what's going to make more sense if you have to stay to another uh, state, country? Is it an Airbnb for pilots or do they have like a pilot home or or, or a hotel? Do you guys get amenities like that? How does that go? So that is one of the beautiful perks of flying for an airline. They, my scheduler, and um, we have a committee that goes around and determines what hotels. We always stay at a hotel. You always stay with the entire crew. Uh, at least your, you know, your captain, your first officer, always together. And um, it depends on the city. And we we pick the amenities that the pilots would like, meaning it's close to places to eat. Right. Um, you know, get out, be safe, because um, not every hotel is in a safe area. Right. And um, it depends on your company where you stay. Sometimes we stay at the same hotel as other airline employees. Sometimes we don't. But it's um, it'll vary depending on the state. It could be everything from you know a beautiful Marriott to a JW. It, it's just it varies. So. Okay, that's cool. So you guys, do they recommend you staying in an Airbnb or anybody has a little rental? In the no. Okay. Contractually, our airline is set up with different hotels around the country. So there's no excuse to even... Nope. Okay, that's good. Well, they need to know where you're at as well. well that and they're paying for it, so... Right. Oh, right. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you. Um, age minimum and requirement for anybody, um, any male, female that's suffering or struggling with the mode of not knowing what they want to do, what career choices, um, you know, people could jump on and be a corrections officer here in New York at the age of 50 years old and still put their 25 years in. Uh, give us a layout pretty much of the minimum age requirements um, and what do they require, how long to work? And uh, what's the old, you know, can you be 75 and still fly on a plane, 80 years uh, old, all the above, you know, all that stuff. Excellent. So to get started, and to start any type of aviation career, you have to at least start and get your private pilot's license. And you can't do that until you're at least 16. So that'd be the minimum age that you could really start to dig in to start flying and building up your flight time wow. is 16. So I actually got my driver's license and about eight months later got my pilot's license. And so, but you have to have be at least 16 to do that. And so from there, you can have, it depends again, clarity. What do you want to do? If you want to go to the airlines, you have to at least be um, 23 for what's called an ATP license. And um, ATP. 23 or 25, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's um, Don't quote me on that because they just changed the FARs. But either way, um, you cannot get hired at the airlines without this license. But you have to retire. We all have to retire from the airlines at 65. You Not, a, not an option. You have to retire at 65. 65? Um, wow. Yeah, private jets. Private jets, they can fly a lot longer. But... We are FAA mandated, which is the Federal Aviation Administration. We're mandated, and we have to retire at sixty-five for the airlines. Wow. Okay. So that's so. Well, I, I can see that. But see that. you don't have to be young to go ahead and say. I mean, if if someone, one of your viewers is, you know, forty and looking to get started, airlines hire people in their fifties. They that's they just want experience, quality, and professional. They want Very leaders. Yes. And if you have a 15 year career with them, that's nothing to, you know, that's a great career. You don't have to be 30 jumping in the door or 40 or something like that. No. And there are plenty of schools to where if you want to make this a second career, you can start with nothing and go all the and get all your ratings and then start flying and start building up that time. There are plenty of avenues to do this. Um, you don't have to go through a traditional school. You don't have to go through 
um, you know, the military. There, there are lots of options, lots of options. Now, we, we're, we're going to be having some webinars coming up throughout the spring and summertime that I'm setting up. I'm mentioning this now exclusively because I have Dawn, the Dawn Cook here. Okay, and she, uh, I am a big fan of hers, if you did not know this already. But clearly, the reason why I'm stressing this is we're going to be doing these webinars because I'm going to be having a lot of people representing these professional um, careers. Um, and, of course, Dawn, I'll talk to you about that off camera. But my, my thing is now we need – people need to see – and you mentioned this. You know, they need to see – we already have, we have a black vice president, a female black president. And um, people need to see – more than just this. They need to see this. More than just that, they need to see this. So I want people to realize that are they encouraged, do you encourage male and female, whether people of color or not, doesn't matter, why they should think about getting into the airline business? Yes. Are you kidding me? All I do is go to New York and shop and go to California and then have some breakfast in Paris and, you know, meet up with my husband in Chicago on work. Like, yes, if you want to have an incredible career that is flexible and you get the lifestyle that you want, flying is incredible. I think one of the things we discussed off camera is um, the flexibility of this job. I don't work holidays. I don't work weekends. I am home for my family. You can live in that power of and. I can have an incredible job and be a great mom and be a present wife and be best friends with my husband and have time for myself. But one of the beauties of, at least an airline career, I cannot speak for corporate or having a military career. I just, I don't have that background, but we are all on the level playing field pay-wise. I've been at my company for about almost a little over a decade and about a decade and a half, almost, almost 15 years. But some gentleman who gets hired three years behind me will never make more than me. We are all on the same playing field. He might upgrade to captain or something like that. So it's a little bit different. Those pay scales are different. But everybody that is on a 12-year pay scale on my aircraft, we're getting the same pay. It's none of this, well, he's getting paid more because he's a man. No, oh, oh, okay. absolutely not. No, oh, okay. no, no, no. It is skill-based and seniority. I wasn't sure about that. I, the same absolutely scene. not. Oh, yes. Wow. If there is somebody who's the same seniority as me on my aircraft, um, smaller aircraft, they have different pay scales, larger aircraft. But if we're on the same airplane and we're both first officers and we've both been at the company for nine years, we're making the same pay. He might fly more, I might fly less, that's optional, but your base pay, that's that's the same. But you get to travel and see the world. You get to travel and see the world on the company dime. And you get to go to places that you know, people spend their life savings. You get to go and hang out in Hawaii just because. You get to go to England. You get to go to Paris. You go to South Africa. You can do, you know, so much with this career. Um, wow. You can have a you can have a job on the side. I fly with plenty of people that they're realtors on the side, or they own property what? and they do. Pro- your days off are your days off, and you're not working every single day. So even if you had a full schedule, you still have about. 12, 13 days off a month, that's more than just the weekends, which is mo- most nine to fives have. So it's it's incredibly flexible. It's just a resource and an opportunity that is really not tapped in because it has this old school mentality of being male, being military, being a non-option. And you know, people that look like us don't seek out these jobs because we don't see people who look like us. So 
It's, mm. it's a great job. It's a great it, career. It, it really is. Is that lacking? Before I take, oh, listen, Dawn literally has 20 minutes left here. My thing is to you, um, I want to tell the, I'm going to take some comments from the, the guests because they're going crazy here. But I want to, <laughs> yeah, they're going nuts. I want to know um, in regards to, is it, is there a, a lack of people of color? Because you did mention when we were off camera in regards to how many, I want you to tell them how many female air, airplane pilots and commercial jets are in the, in the United States. So to keep it in perspective, um, African-American pilots in the commercial realm only make up about 1%. 0.1% of that are African-American female pilots. And my company um, only has six out of about 12,000 pilots. So to answer your question, what? no, our people don't fly. They just don't know it's an option. They, I genuinely I think it's just it's the exposure, Nathaniel. We're not exposed to this. We're not flying. And it's because a lot of things, and um, I, I hope your fans don't um, hate me for this, but Chris no, Rock no, is hilarious no, because he mentions – the new form of discrimination is prices. It costs money to fly. Right. It costs money to learn to fly. It costs money to go to law school. It costs money. And the higher price you put on it, it's almost as if the African-American community shies away from that. Oh, well, it's too expensive. And I'm not saying that's any type of discrimination or you know, right, you right, should right, let right, that right, deter right. you, but that, that deters a lot of people. It's like, oh, it costs a lot of money to fly. Yeah, it does. No, it does. But, I need we need young people to focus on the return on investment. But you're flying. I mean, exactly. If you re, if you focus on the return on that investment, what your life will be like in ten years, what your children's life can be like, the opportunities, the memories, what you can create with that initial investment, with that passion, with that drive, with that hope to make the next generation better. When more people step up and level up and step into that yes. and really see what they're capable of becoming, that's when those numbers will change. But if we just look at it in a one-dimensional realm of it costs money, then those numbers aren't going to change. If we're not going to expose and share what goes on behind the scenes, the great life, the great opportunities that, I mean, my husband and I say all the time, we're not going to give the world to our girls, but we can show them. You can take them outside their bubble. You can show them how the rest of the world lives and make them, you know, understand how fortunate they are. You know, take them to India and have them come home and realize they have running water. People don't have running water. You have, you have running water that's clean. Do you know how many little kids your age don't have that? And when you expose them to those experiences, that's where growth and learning comes. And that's definitely something we can do with the African-American community is expose them more. Show them what they're capable of. It doesn't matter where you are now. It matters where you want to be. And that's how you get there. And that's how you change those numbers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why, I mean, I'm, I'm a little late in the, on a Black History Month in regards to the first of the month, but we made it to the first week. Um, I'm going to say this, and that, that is extraordinary. Um, I probably met your husband at that degree. Maybe he was the one I asked that day, does the plane fly? So because is it to the point that you guys know all each other or you know of them? Like if I was to say I met two Black male um, pilots throughout the United States, in most cases in the last three years, you probably know one of them. Uh, yeah. Oh, the oh, numbers oh. are so small. Yes. Yes. Wow. One percent? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a lot. It may be 1.2, 1.3. Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's really sad. Uh, shout out to Twerp, Twerp X Nation. I appreciate that very much. 
appreciate the Air Force ATC here finishing up my enlistment and enrolling as part of 141 school. Any career advice? Thanks for helping to pave the way for us young black aviators. And thanks, Nat, for bringing Dawn on. This is your world now. <laughs> I love that. So Twerpex Nation, um, I definitely think you want to just get clarity. Where do you want to go? That's excellent that it's Air Force ATC. You have a lot of aviation background. Um, what part 141 school are you going to and will they set you up for success? So that would be the first thing, uh, making sure that you get the time you need out of that school. Are you going to be a flight instructor and build up that time? Do you want to go to the regionals? Do you want to go to corporate? So far, start, pardon my language, I'm talking fast. Start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. So where do you want to be 10, 15 years from now and start backtracking? And then set yourself up with a goal. If you want to be at the airlines in five years, which is quite possible, then where do you need to be in two and a half years? And then break that down. Where do you need to be a year from now? Where do you need to be six months from now? Where do you need to be three months from now? And what can you do in the next few weeks to set yourself up for success? And what you're also going to have to do, because it's going to creep in there, ignore the doubt, ignore the outside noise of anybody telling you that you can't, and you focus on that end goal. Every single day you focus on that end goal of where you want to be and the clarity will come up and there'll be avenues that will open up opportunities to build time. And it's not going to be easy, but if it were, everybody would be doing this. So I highly encourage you to set up those goals and focus on the end game and make sure whatever part 141 school you're at, that's excellent, but make sure they're going to set you up for success. Meaning you'll have the opportunity to instruct, to help you find an instructing job. Uh, they might help with resume training, interview prep, different things like that. And utilize all of your resources. That is one more thing. Utilize your resources. Look at these nonprofits like OBAP, um, Female Aviators Sticking Together, Women in Aviation. All of these programs offer scholarship opportunities to help pay for these flight trainings, but people don't want to take the work to do it. They don't want to get the letters of recommendation. They don't want to type up the essays and they're missing out on opportunities. So definitely take advantage of all of your opportunities that are out there and figure out what your end goal wants to be. I think that's a, that's a big a big thing. And I think uh, also thank you, Chork. I really appreciate that again. Um, I, I believe that this answered the question as well, because Dry 631 said, you didn't ask her if Air Force experience helps a candidate for these specific titles. I think you pretty much answered that. So Draw 631, it does if you are in the flight realm of the Air Force. There are lots of different positions somebody can have in the Air Force. And um, the best one that would set you up for any type of aviation experience is if you are in one of their flight programs. Okay, beautiful. Um, fog, they want to know, does, can fog also divert a flight as well? Depending on the airline, um, smaller aircraft have different visibility minimums. So if the fog is really, really low, the smaller aircraft usually can't get in. Um, but larger airlines and um, larger capabilities, we can land without seeing anything. So depends. Okay, beautiful. Um, wow. 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 That was what I used to always wonder. How can they do that because of the navigation of the... Technology, um, experience, training. Yeah. Um, depending on the aircraft, you can land. It's called a zero, zero visibility. You don't have to be able to see anything. And the computers and sensory get you right down on the ground, right where you need to be. God, yeah. I'm going to go crazy. Those are oh, my Lord. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Sirzo. Shout out to the Capricorn Way. Shout out to... Um, is how critical how critical is v1 stage i don't know if that's oh someone has some aviation knowledge i wow. love it wow. so v1 is brilliant so what v1 stage is is this is the critical we call it the go or no go stage so what happens is you're you're going down the runway and you think you know it's such a speed 
If anything happens, you have literally split seconds to decide to stop the takeoff, abort the takeoff, or continue. And so it's very critical. Every time we're trained, we brief this, what we'll do in this phase. We brief what we'll do right before this phase, right after this phase. What's our plan of action? Um, We train to this every single training regiment we do. And so it's, it's critical. It is a critical point of the takeoff to which if something happens, if there's an engine fire or the birds you mentioned, if this happens during this critical phase, that's when we actually stop that takeoff and we inspect the aircraft and we deal with whatever emergency it is. Um, There's a critical phase after at some point, if you're behind this phase and you're just going so fast, you can't stop that air, that aircraft because you're not going to have enough runway. You just got to keep going. So, I mean, God forbid somebody wants to pop a car up in there when this is all going. I'm pretty sure that has never happened when somebody just decided on driving a car and then the plane was going and poof. Back in the day, there have been some incidents, but now that's why you have, you know, the fences up and the barbed wire and all this other stuff. But at V1 stage, it's it's critical to answer Gentile killer. Wow. Wow. Um, they said that she answered the UFOs. Um, what is the, are you able to answer this question? <laughs> or, Ask her who she thinks the best airline is. Um, <laughs> Qantas Airlines. They're in Australia and their service is impeccable. <laughs> oh, wow. But you know, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, the United States, we're very fortunate to have, you know, multiple airlines. So if you're looking for price, if you're looking for service, if you're looking for destinations, that's going to be up to the passenger. Um, at time, you know, some airlines have direct flights to where you want to go. Others, you might have to make a stop. So it, it depends on what you're looking for, to be honest. Um, your social media, do you put your social media out or you probably, or you low key with that? So I have a little bit. I do. Um, I like you, Nathaniel, I do have a private practice of life coaching. So they can find me on Instagram at Aviatrix Mindset. And um, I am also Dawn Cook. I'm on Facebook. I don't put my girls or too much out there on there, but mostly my life coaching things. And I also run a nonprofit that's uh, focused on female pilots and building those numbers. And that's at fastpilots.org. And we have a private Facebook group for that. And it's just the female pilots in that group. Now, that's that's important because um, I did want to ask to that because me and Dawn are going to be doing a lot of work together. I really want to encourage more people to realize that this is a profession. Again, she said started at 16 years old. So if you have kids and they don't know what they want to do, start pushing them. And if you're older and you have children, you feel like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. This is not working out. I mean, is there a cap to start working for the airline? No, no. Um, for hiring age, yes. And like I said, you need that experience. So you need to have several of your flight ratings and um, hourly experience. And so that's where they'll start looking at you. But you build that experience. There's no cap to when you can't start start dreaming. You can tomorrow as a 14-year-old. And I know some of your viewers might be like, girl, please, ain't nobody going to airport at 14. But that's an option. You can go to the airport at 14 and, you know, you can start flying. You can start building up that time. You definitely can. Um, I think someone asked about my Instagram. It's uh, Aviatrix Mindset. That's where you can find me, Aviatrix Mindset. And I um, have it in the description as well. I, okay. I put it in the description. Um, my kill count? <laughs> Maybe 10. It's not a lot. And you're talking thousands of hours. It's it's not a lot. And they're small. We're not talking falcons. They're like the little sparrows that you might see. They were in my way anyway. And I'm bigger. So. 
<laughs> That's it. How much a difference is there between manual flying and autopilot or on airliners? Um, it's it's really not much. No, again, the autopilot is there to assist, to help, uh, to unlighten our load when we're we're doing a lot. We're doing a lot. We're checking, you know, weight, weather, hydraulics, you know, all the parameters of the engine. So it's just to lighten the load. Manual, I'll tell you about manual. It's manual is just more fun. That's all. Manual is more fun. But as far as the passengers in the back, you, there's no difference. They wouldn't feel anything. Best city you enjoyed staying at and worst city that was disappointing you? <laughs> um, I'd say best city in the United States. Um, absolutely love Chicago. Chicago and New York. You just Those are just beautiful cities, amazing people, so much to do. You could spend you know months there and not see everything in those cities. And um, as far as international, I'm I'm a fan of Paris. It's just gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Amazing food. It's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, worst cities? Um, uh, you can say it. Hey, hey, hey. I wouldn't say it's the worst. It's just simply not my favorite. Uh, when I was flying um, regional jets, we stayed in, uh, sorry, LeBron, we stayed in Akron. Uh, yeah, we're good. I don't I don't need to go back there. Um, but I, I'm sure it's a very lovely place. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. It was, uh, I, I don't need to go back there. So, yeah. <laughs> so, daughters at Brittany Riddle, the, the best school to go for the pilot program. Um, I think she's kind of biased to that, but you just say. I am biased because that's my alma mater. So, right, Embry right. Riddle is amazing. But I will say, um, now, and I'm dating myself, I was in school over 20 years ago, but um, it's uh, there's so many other amazing programs. Check them all out. Serious, Amaris. Check them out. Ohio State has a great program. Purdue, UND, which is University of North Dakota. I know it's cold. We don't really like the cold, but it has a really great program. Um, there's also a few HBCUs that have programs as well. So definitely do your research and, and check them all out. Reach out to me if you have any questions. But there's lots of opportunities, lots of options, and there are lots of ways to get to that airline career. It doesn't just have to be Embry-Riddle. Um, TPS, no, are you licensed to fly a helicopter too? No, and that's by choice. I do not have my helicopter license. That's a whole different type of training, a whole different type of um, requirements for your licenses and experience on that end. So I do not. Ernest DeVarro says he wants, he, what would you suggest for to get my 15 year old daughter to get involved in aviation? What would you suggest? Um, that's an excellent question, Ernest. I would definitely suggest trying to find what's local and pique her interest in that way. Meaning if they're local air shows, I know it might not seem that fun or, you know, even just reaching out, checking out um, women in aviation they have different programs that they'll put on for the youth. Um, Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals, they actually have amazing camps. So if you look up obap.org, they have camps for young people to get them exposed, our people to get them exposed to aviation. These kids fly, they take off, they land, they have all kinds of exposure. And there's also actually, Ernest, to answer your question, an excellent program that I would highly recommend also is the BPA, Black Pilots of America. I was actually a student there, wow. and that's where I got some of my training. And the students go out to Texas, this is where it used to be, for about two weeks, and they are taught to fly that airplane. They fly every single day. It's a two-week program, and um, they go from not knowing anything to knowing how to do the walk around, the systems on the airplane, and it's the small single-engine planes, but that's an incredible program as well. So if you can't get the air show exposure, because that might not really be interested in her. I know when I was 15, I was like, boo, 
what am I going to do with this? It's a bunch of people that don't look like me. I'm really not interested. But when you go in that camp and she can have that experience and that feel and she's flying, you can't take that from her. And even if she doesn't end up becoming a pilot, that exposure and that experience are priceless. Um, Email address. Or email me. address. Yeah, hit me up. It is um, empowered at aviatrixmindset.com. That's it. Straight to it. Can't be empowered email. with a D. Empowered. Right? empowered at aviatrixmindset.com. Let's get you in the air, Mars. Looks like you have a lot of questions. Let's do this. Yes, we need to get the air. When, do you, when you land ATL, how low are you coming? You're right over the head of the <laughs> K-Dot, depending on the actual runway, we are a couple hundred feet above the ground. It might not seem that way, but right by the time we hit 285, that's from a 27, coming in, I'm probably about six, 700 feet in the air. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so listen, we have six minutes, seven minutes. So, uh, cockpit, as you know, we are. Um, everybody always compares a nice dashboard and a car to a cockpit of a plane because we see there's nothing better than a cockpit. Um, so I just want to shout out to that. Um, Salary-based, can you give the people basically the starting and what they can make for five years from now, rather 10 years from now? Basically, what is the base salary and what they what could they make up to? Is there overtime? Are there perks in regards to the financial part? So we are talking dollars now. So here's the deal. I'll give you some numbers, but it's it definitely going to vary. I You can work overtime. You can work to your heart's content um, to a certain amount with, you know, fatigue and sleeping and whatnot. So depends when you start off at the major airlines, um, you'll work your way through the regional airlines where they make right about now um, close to six figures, 75, 80 in that range. Once you get to the airlines, you have a base salary from where you start and then you can add on top of that. So your first year salary might look like the low six figures, but if you want to do overtime, I fly with captains that make half a million. Okay. <laughs> to literally um, have half the month off. Oh, and making that. Hey, I got precious cargo. I got lives on my hands. I have a lot of experience. In the sky, in the yes. sky. Yes. Yes. In the sky. Okay. Yes. So uh, a day that you're feeling down and, and low, doesn't it add on and make you feel better once you're in the sky? Like, in other words, there can't be anything that I could think of that going up in the sky may be detrimental. What are the things that people have to realize? The downs. Okay, great. It's a dangerous job as well, clearly. And you know what? It's, um, it's, I think it's dangerous to the outsider. When you're actually in it and you're doing it, it's more of a passion and excitement. So it might look dangerous, but if you don't have all the details and all the training, that fear is trained out of you. It really is. And so even if it's a bad day, that's one of the things too, is as a professional, you leave that at home. If it, you know, kids are crazy and, you know, I didn't have time to go to the grocery store. I'm running late. That stops when you get to work. That's that. You'll deal with it then. It's time to fly. It's time to focus. It's time to do your job. And you just become job oriented. As a professional, that takes priority. End of discussion. That's it. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> people, we, you have people that's really fierce flying. They, they're always worried about God forbid. Really bad. I remember there was this guy when I was flying to Mexico. It was funny then only because when he was in a seat, it was like, <gasps> and we were like, what the hell are you doing, bro? And then 
but and it was the, the you know planes going up. I'm sitting here enjoying myself because it's what I want to see. Because I like to see that mode when it's like, you know, you're looking down, you're just leaving the city, and you're looking down. And it's like, oh my gosh. Um, are people? Do you recommend that people can get over that fear? Do you know other pilots that actually felt that fear, and then now they could fly all over the world, and they used to be afraid of heights? So that's interesting. You mentioned that. I have a few friends that don't really care for flying. All that fear is, it's just lack of knowledge. It's just the unknown. And so we allow that unknown to create this story of scared and fear and something we need to be concerned about. And it's it's just not, it's just not true. You can definitely get over that and just treat that fear and anxiety, give it a different name and transfer that into excitement. Like it's exciting to fly. Think of the destination, think of where you're going, think of how much fun it's going to be once you get there and not so much focused on the journey and what you can do to sort of mitigate that and create those more calming feelings. Right. Um, honestly, just focus on what you're at, read a book, watch one of the movies, things get bumpy, unless those flight attendants are concerned or you don't hear from the captain, there's nothing to be concerned about. There are gonna be pockets of air, there's gonna be some rough air, we can't control mother nature. We can try to you know fly around it and whatnot, but sometimes you know it's it's a few bumps here and there. But it's all of these things where you see you know the airplane crashes or you know the movie scenes and it's all dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no, that's. I try, that's I, try, I try to stay away from. I know they want to know. Um, celebrities, um, have you been on the plane where, uh, you know, you're flying so and so, and it's like, oh wow, and, or. Or did people, uh, did you ever have a person that wasn't a fan of you? And you know, when they, you guys are standing there telling people, welcome, thank you for flying with us. And like, ah, oh, F you, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, yes, I've definitely had some celebrities for the most part. They're all very nice and very polite. And sometimes they don't even like to fly. So they're very grateful um, that we got from point A to B. And I haven't had anybody, you know, be aggressive, but I definitely get the female comments every couple of flights like, oh, you flew this? Right. No way. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Oh, all the time. All the time. A woman pilot? Oh, wow. I didn't know that you guys could fly. I, that's the one I get the most. I didn't know they let you fly. I don't know who they is, wow. but yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. What is the they yes. part? Come on yes. now, brothers. Yeah, more of more of a shock and disbelief than aggressiveness. So, but that's all right. How about women? How how do they how do they take to you? Like especially black women. You know, that's an interesting question. It depends. Um, yes, African American women. It's it's more excitement, and they're very grateful. Um, especially the older ones. You know, like our grandmothers and our aunties. It's a head nod of respect and well done, well done. You know, and I've had them pat me on the back or you know, give me hugs and different things like that. And just saying, thank you for representing um, other women. It depends on their age. Um, some of the older women that are not in the African-American community, it's right. that disbelief like, oh, you know, you, you flew us. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 wow. Yeah. Or they'll unintentional, I believe, condescending, like, oh, you did good. Good for you. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Like bittersweet. Yeah, so bless her heart, but that's okay. Right. How about <laughs> taking the, pictures now? Like, are you able to take pictures with the whole? You thing can. With, with yeah, that's a, that's still one of the myths um, from nine eleven. Yes, you can. You can come up in the flight deck. Kids can come up in the flight deck. You can take pictures. You can. You can do all of those things. Yes. Um, I think this one gentleman said, "I don't. I don't know if she spoke about this already. I just joined him. What is the work life balance life as a pilot? Well, she actually spoke about this at the beginning of the video." 
And she literally has to be going here in um she has to be going here in six minutes. So um yeah, you have to go back to because that, that pretty much was pretty laid out. So she just got to the beginning of the show. Shout out to the original man, we appreciate that. So the thing is, um I think I answered every question I could imagine, but you know, as soon as you get off, I'm gonna be like, damn, I forgot to ask it. I forgot to ask you that. <laughs> um do you ever look back at the plane and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just flew this thing? Or does it still hit you like, I can't believe I actually, like when you're in the car and you're in, you know, a 285 or wherever you're ready, you look at a plane in the sky like, damn, I actually fly one of those. You know, does it does it get you like that? Or do you just, you're so humble now, you're just to the point where it's just like, oh yeah, that's an R3 480 or you know, like. <laughs> you know, that is a beautiful question because it's still, it still hits me. I'm walking down the jetway and I'm just like, damn, like what? Look at this. Look how big this thing is. Or especially, um, as I mentioned, one of the duties of a first officer is to walk around. I have to walk around this giant jet. The wheels are as big as me. And I'm, well, I'm 5'3", so I'll put it in perspective. <laughs> so it's not, like, it's not like they're that big. Um, so I'm, I'm not that tall to begin with. But, you know, wow. I'm doing this walk around and it's just like, that's what's up. Like, come on now. How many people can say they do this and they do it well? Not to, you know, toot my own horn, no, but no, I take pride and that I do it and I do a great job. I represent us, you know, my, the women, African-American women, our community, you know, and just very proud, very, very proud and very humbled. It's, there's never a day where I'm just like, oh, all right, let's go. It's more of a, let's do this. Let's go. Just promise me that I want to be able to do this one shot where I want to take a picture with you in front of one of them planes. Okay. We'll make this happen. We'll figure well, yeah. out how to make it happen. Make, <laughs> COVID make has right delayed there. quite a lot of things, but we'll make yes. this happen. Make this happen, please. And um, last but not least, listen, and if anybody needs to listen, I'm going to put all her information in the description. Um, I think Maris, we got one more comment, one more question. And then of course I have my last question because we got to sign out. So Maris um, says, is it possible <laughs> for someone to live in, Maris, you need to be right pushing commercial just soon. Is it possible for someone to live in a different country and still work for an American airline? Yes. Um, it's Maris, that's a great question. It's called commuting. So once you work for an airline, you have airline privileges and you fly on that airline for free. So I've flown with several people. They lived in the Dominican Republic. They flew to Atlanta for work, went to work, came back to Atlanta and flew home easily, easily. People do it all the time. They live in Europe, South America, um, all the time. Yes. Um. So what plane are you trying to fly this week? Like, what, what are you feeling from this? I hope the interview inspired you. Like, you know what? I feel like flying this one, this big one here. I, <laughs> I, I want to know, like, you got to, is there a new plane sitting out there that you didn't touch yet that nobody wants to get dirty because it's, it's snowing and raining? Like, what what is the energy? Um, you know what? I'll definitely stick with my, my 321 for a little bit. Uh, when we do training, you're trained on an aircraft so detailed. It's almost two to three months of training. And that's the airplane that you fly. And so my next step, it's definitely going to be the left seat as a captain and international all day long. So I will just exclusively go to Europe, Rome, Paris, England, Germany, and just hang out, call it a day. My single fellas, I mean, you single guys are out here. I mean, she's not single, but no. uh, you guys need to be open when you're meeting these women and you find out that they work as a, a pilot for one. Uh, uh, what, what's the other one? Um, 
the position your mom had when she first started. Oh, flight attendants? Oh, yeah. Flight attendants. Yeah, guys got to be mindful of what's going on, you, especially you clowns. You keep going to these different countries trying to meet women and, you know, meet the woman that's on the planes for Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> that's what you want to meet, the ones that's on the plane, not the one that never been on the damn plane. I mean, that's very true. true. That's right? very true. A little exposure. A little exposure yeah. goes a long it's way. <laughs> it's like, even if she's working, all, all she does is fly planes all week. Uh, excuse me, fly on planes all week because she doesn't work for the airline. Meet her. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, I mean, come on. We have to get this thing going. So I just really want to thank you from the solely from the bottom of my heart. This meant so much to me. And of course, some of my viewers are going to be able to meet. But this is just the beginning because she is officially, I'm saying this here, on this day of February of 2021, Dawn is officially the beginning of what I'm trying to produce here, showing black excellence among women, in addition to women, non-black women, doesn't matter. But I want to show the woman excellence of women that are operating these incredible aircrafts and things like that. They call it aircraft. I was of aircraft. So um, the, the, we one day she could probably take a picture. I could put in a thumbnail of her walking around a plane, checking out somebody videoing her. But of course, they have their stipulations and a lot of things are limited here and we all know the rules of, now she said, she don't see no UFOs. And even if she did, I don't think she would tell us that. But anyway, <laughs> well, Nate, there's a UFO over here in Atlanta. I don't, you know, so I'm never, I'm never out of plane again. But one thing I want to do, and I'm saying this live, I would love to be on one of the planes that you fly. And um, that is something that I want to experience this year. That's what I want to do. I want okay. to be able to feel, and I'm serious. I'm very, very, very serious about that. If you can make that happen, I'll make it happen because I'll just show up. And <laughs> but I have to feel, I have to experience to say, because life's short, to life say, short. Hey, I know who this is flying in this. And I want to be able to say great job because I know you. And this is a great thing. So um, it's fantastic. Um, would you tell the people before you leave? how they could follow you and how encouraging that we're going to be pushing people to really, really change this percent, step this up, especially minorities, especially yes. my, my non-blacks. I mean, it's, it's terrible that 1% too, it's, it's, that's really bad. So uh, what's your final words? So um, final words, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share not only what I do, but what is possible for everybody out there, every young person, even if you're just, you know, you're not sure, just get clear on that. What What do you want? Um, you've got one shot and there's no do-overs in life. So do what you want and go for it. Um, as far as uh, finding me, I think that was your question. I mentioned um, Instagram, Aviatrix Mindset. That's how you can follow me on Instagram and um, Facebook. Just search Dawn Cook. It's my face. <laughs> it's right there. The guy has sunglasses on. And so I'm, I'm right there. And um, just kind of that's that's it. If anybody has any questions, it's empowered at Aviatrix Mindset. And like you, Nathaniel, um, I have a small life coaching practice on the side. And people just like, you know, they just need to get out of their own way sometimes yes. and just know what they're capable of achieving. And like I mentioned to you earlier, it's not about being a pilot. It's about being powerful. And you need your next breath and a belief in yourself. That is all you need. That is genuinely all you need. So it's been an absolute honor to share what I do, my lifestyle, and um, a little bit about myself. And I just, I truly hope everybody just takes control of their life. Go do it. And just because there's not anybody that looks like you doesn't mean that you can't be the first. So go for I it. Have, I, have to, I have to have her, when she does this last request, and we appreciate that. Well, if you need all of your face, I have everything in the description. Dawn, you're always so welcome to come back here when we have real 
uh, in, in, in tr- intricate situations that some of my subscribers may be going through. We may need you to come back here as a guest. It's a life coach as well. So, um, you know, I definitely want to have you back when your schedule allows it. So, of course. Um, We'll, we'll work on that as well because this whole life coaching thing, as you can see, I'm 4,500 videos in and, you know, I, I can't give up. So this is what I do. And listen, I, I hope Dawn didn't get a, a, afraid of some of my rough videos. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I did see some of those. <laughs> <laughs> but this is totally different. And, and, and Mr. Cook, it's Mr. Cook, right? Um, yes, I don't yeah. want, I don't want Mr. Cook to feel it. So I appreciate you, um, my brother, sir. Uh, respectfully, with all means, I would love to fly on a plane with him as well. Hey, I mean, not in a funny way. I'm talking about. <laughs> I want him to be a passenger. <laughs> I'm a little too big to be sitting on your lap. I'm not a little kid. Man. <laughs> I, I gotcha. Thank I thank him very much. Um, and to take us out of here, right now, this is what I really need. This is like, listen, people, like, just bear with me. I know I have a real childish mentality when it comes to just the things I have to feel as a child again. But I want you to tell me, when you go up and when you come down, I need you to hear these codes. I want to hear that little R3D478 or 7, what in the <laughs> hell? You can tell me what it means another time, but I need you to act. Just give me when you're going up, I guess when you're leveled and when you're coming down. Just take, Okay, take, um, right after takeoff, when I'm leveling, I'm climbing out, it would be... Uh... Flight 563 leaving 3,000 for 10,000 are nav to storm. And they know exactly what I'm talking about. And they'll come back and give me some more directions. And then when I'm coming in for landing, it would be along the lines of, let's see, flight 563 descending via the Clydesdale. Information, Charlie, um, 10,000. And they know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I knew what she was talking about. Information, Charlie, means information C, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I got a thing with that. Okay, now we are at high altitude. What are you saying then? What are you saying? No, 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 no. You're just checking. I, I think you guys are up in the sky and you're going higher, higher. Then I think you, we tell, you tell the passengers we're at 5,000 feet and then the, the seatbelts come off, something like that. You could put the seat, you could unbuckle the seatbelts, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but we're, we're much higher than that. So we'll take the seatbelt sign off probably about 30,000 feet right there, right? We might be top of climb or something like that. And you're just telling me, you're at 30,000 feet. We're expecting a smooth ride. We're going to go ahead and turn the fasten seatbelt sign off, but we make sure that they keep their seatbelt on in case we get an unexpected turbulence. So you might sit back and relax. But yeah. And, and you're saying this, okay, you're, you're saying this. Okay, so it's not, we always thought it was the person on the crew. It's you. Ah, no, it's the pilots. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. And the flight attendants, they make a lot of announcements. They do. They keep everybody up to speed and involved. But as far as that seatbelt sign and what's going on, that that is the pilots. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I needed. I'm I'm I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I just needed to hear that because <laughs> I love when that thing goes like that. So again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is only the beginning. Um, I'm not. I think action speaks more louder than words. And that's something that we as people of color tend to do. A lot of times we have so many things that we want to do, but we have a hard time processing it. We have this amazing mode to spend money. We have spending power, but 
We kind of like the easy way. And I know that's a big issue because you ask a person, oh, well, they want to invest. Oh, it's not just real estate and stocks. I mean, investment could be you could be getting an online business. An investment could be we doing webinars and this is what it's charged to have a webinar because I have an aviation pilot here that's going to give you everything you need to know about flying a plane. And then you're going to thank me later and say, wow, that was probably the best whatever I spent. Now, whatever me and Dawn do on this business level is beyond our damn business. But the reality is that, you know, it's all about consulting. And I think that's something that I want to stress more. Yes, um, I'm pretty sure Dawn and her husband did research and read me and probably at one time I was like, what the hell's going on here? But then also realized that, you know what, this guy is into a lot of different things. Um, I can see clearly this is going to go well because we're talking about my profession versus, you know, uh, what kind of heels do you wear? You know what I mean? So it's yeah. important. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure she wears heels. And that's the last question, too. Are you able to uh, operate a plane with heels? Actually, I wear heels. Yeah. I'm about two and a half inch heels. Yeah. Unbelievable. Daryl, I'm 5'3". I need all the help I can get. I wear heels all day long. 5'3". Five, 5'3". Three. <laughs> five, three. Five, three operating an aircraft. 5'3 and a quarter. 5'3 three three and, quarter. Three and a quarter. What is it? Yeah. What's the name of the bus? The Airbus? The Airbus. Uh, Airbus 321. Yeah. 321. I know it's 321. So yeah, it's about 196 that. people. Mm-hmm. 196 people. And how many are people in the crew? Uh, Just uh, two up front and four in the back. That's it. Don't play with us, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you, and uh, we will.